is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you, and uh, another very busy show. Had a game last night to talk about Jets' first three-game winning streak since the beginning of January, but a, a big two points to say the least. And uh, well, let's just say lots to get to from last night's game and the Jets shootout win behind a stellar performance in the pipes of Connor Hellebuck. Uh, kind of a funny post-game celebration and uh, helmet presentation as well involving the goaltender. We'll have that for you coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, very much looking forward to talking Jets and getting ready for this game tonight against the Maple Leafs. Excuse me, with Dave Poulin, who's going to join us from TSN Hockey. Dave's one of our favorites to uh, talk puck with. He's going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Um, and then Brandon Rickey's going to join us. Looking forward to getting Rue's thoughts on the uh, shootout win over the Buffalo Sabres last night. The current situation, the Jets find themselves going into the second end of back-to-backs against the high-powered Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I'll say this, the WST bump is real. Um, because we had set up, I talked yesterday about how impressed I was with Morgan Barron at the Moose game on Tuesday night, had set it up to have the newest member of the organization, Morgan Barron, join us from the Manitoba Moose on today's program. And lo and behold, just hours after he agreed to join us, he got the call to the National Hockey League. He's been recalled on an emergency basis for tonight's game. So needless to say, Morgan Barron unavailable today. But I am very excited to have his Moose teammate, Johnny Kovacevic, join us. So Johnny will join us uh, in the 2 o'clock hour after we chop it up with Dave Poulin and Brandon Rowicki. Uh, welcome to everyone that's with us on YouTube. A special thanks to the podcast listeners making us a part of your day. You do have the opportunity, folks, at any time when you're uh, online. Fire over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Always helps us spread the channel. And if you're with us on YouTube, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and give the boys a thumbs up for the episode. Another thing that really helps us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. <clears throat> Nothing helps us at WST, though, as much as the incredible support of our family of sponsors, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, and of course, our friends over at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group and Canadian Club Whiskey. So let's get right to it. Pooley coming up first. Brandon Rewicki, Johnny Kovacevic. Lots of hockey to get to on today's episode of WST. We'll also look ahead to tomorrow's World Cup draw uh, and discuss Canada's loss last night to Panada, Panama to finish up the World Cup qualifying. Remus, what's up? You still on the men? You feeling any better or what? Um, hey everyone. I mean, I can't taste anything, so I'm dealing, dealing with that, but, um, I'm feeling good. I mean, what a shootout it was yesterday. I can't remember a time when the Jets went three for three in the shootout and won. And it just seemed like at the end of last game in overtime, Connor Hellbuck was like wagging the finger like this. Uh, sorry, podcast guys. I'm going back and forth. Like, no, no, no. Like, you're not scoring on Old me. Old Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, he was out of control in, in overtime. And it's funny how, you know, the last couple games here, the Jets keep getting outshot, you know, maybe, you know, played the Columbus game. This game yesterday, they got outshot. I mean, the Ottawa game, they looked terrible. They did lose that one, though. And what was the other? There was one other game I, I'm missing in, in this three-game win streak. 
Columbus, they, Arizona, oh, Buffalo. Yeah, Arizona, where, yeah, at times uh, wasn't great either. But, hey, they got a three-game win streak. Trying to get those slim playoff hopes alive. Dom has them, what, at 10%. Money Puck, which is fake news, has them at 6.5%. Let's see what 538 so, has. has. I don't know about 5. It's very slim. Jets are 12 12 percent 12 oh that's the one we're going by then yeah 12. absolutely we've told you those other numbers are fake news they're uh yeah they're prejudiced against the jets and their playoff hopes the real number and you know what i'm going to go out on a limb and say 538's being very conservative with yeah. their 12 percent <laughs> estimate right now that's the way i'm feeling right now after this game hey listen you're right um you know if we're breaking these things down and uh, you know grading them like dives in the olympics uh we're not giving out perfect tens for these games but no. when it comes to the results um it's about getting two points right now and yeah i mean the columbus game was uh, a bit of an up and downer and uh, you know they had the game tied up late on that power play that was so controversial but they got it done in ot same thing almost got Vimelka on sunday night by the arizona coyotes but we're able to score an OT by Mark Scheifele. We had a real strong game. And then last night, it was Connor Hellebuck stepping up front and center as the star of the game. Pierre-Luc Dubois was an absolute beast. Blake Wheeler, impactful and uh, for on a couple of plays last night, which we'll get to. And the bottom line is uh, this team has won three games for the first time in a row. Can now afford to, you know, try to get greedy tonight. Go in and take on a high-powered Maple Leafs team that has major question marks in net right now. And I don't think that'll be the case. Now, we haven't heard from Dave Lowry. Um, and he has said after last night's game, when Mike McIntyre pressed him on who would be in the net tonight, that uh, his quote was, I have two goalies. That, of course, didn't tell us anything. I would be shocked. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'd be shocked. I assume that Connor Hellebuck is going to go back in considering the way he played last night and the importance of this game. But I'll say this, Reem, there has been a couple of occasions uh, recently, I'm going back to that St. Louis game that Eric Comrie played so well in, that, you know, Comrie's got to start when sort of we all believed that Connor Hellebuck was going in. So I'm not saying that this is a slam dunk that Helly plays tonight um, because we have seen Dave Lowry drop Eric Comrie in a couple times when maybe we didn't expect them. That being said, Hellebuck is the guy, and uh, man, the way he played last night, it's probably pretty tough for the coach not to tap him on the shoulder again for this game against Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. He's playing at a really high level um, in the last uh, couple Jets games. Even, what, that Boston game that they lost, he was very strong. So um, I think, you know, just based on the reluctance to use Eric Kami throughout the season and the fact that this is a very must-win game i mean every game they're gonna go with their number one guy connor hellbuck he's looked he's looked good um you know do i think Comrie deserves more games throughout the season i think he's proven that but this is the way that they're rolling and they're gonna go with uh i i think they're gonna go with hellbuck now i think who i don't know, forget who said the line like i'll never be surprised when connor hellbuck is in the net for the jets yeah. because <laughs> he's he's their guy and look he's he's earned it he's looked very good um, looked very good last game. Uh, looked good in the, I remember the Vegas game. Uh, they were like looking skyward in that shutout. So, I mean, let's see Hellbuck. I mean, he's he's always got confidence. I think he's he's going to be ready. However, I think when you look back on the season, and I, even last year, I kept saying like start give Brosois a couple starts. But I think uh, they're going. I mean, you want to beat the Leafs, go with your number one guy and Hellbuck, and then after this. 
they do have what the Kings on Saturday, and then you got some time off. So there is a bit of a break. But that that week, April April ten to sixteen, us you got five games in seven days. I've never seen a schedule schedule <laughs> like this. That is obscene. Yeah, uh, you know what? And the weird thing is, I mean, they've got some periods, some pockets in the schedule over the next little while where they'll have three days off uh, and then all of a sudden five games in seven days. And, you know, we did we have been looking ahead to the schedule in April, knowing that there's a trip to what Carolina, Florida, Tampa, uh, I believe the New York Rangers as well. So, I mean, some really difficult games, which made a game like that against Buffalo, who, I mean, we've talked about this yesterday. Buffalo has been playing well over the last few weeks. <clears throat> I think they were really vitalized by that uh, win over the Vegas Golden Knights and their former teammate, Jack Eichel. Um, and listen, I mean, I think, you know, Buffalo fans and the Buffalo Sabres probably leave that game going, man, uh, we probably deserved a better fate last night. But to me, it goes back to Connor Hellebuck, Reem, because um, stop me if you heard this one before, the Jets stunk in the first period. <laughs> they did not have a great start. And for a game that is so important that you would think you would have this sort of sense of urgency, Took a while for the rest of the squad to get into the game, uh, and they were quite fortunate that 37 was doing what he does best in the first period last night. Yeah, first period, uh, third period, Hassan. I don't know what it's been like the last couple of games. You think the Jets, they get the memo when the start time was? I just seem so often during these games that all seem all are must win. Um, they're not showing up. Showing up. I mean, you, that Ottawa game. Even what the Vegas game again, it's going long stretches in a game without getting mm -hmm. shot on goal. And they were outshot and outchanced, uh, shot attempted severely in that first period. But when you got Hellbuck there, I mean, he stops everything. It's, when he's in a zone, it's incredible <laughs> to watch. And uh, there he was yesterday. Well, you know what? And I, listen, I want to bring up this clip of, uh, of Hellebuck um, because it, we want to get to, you know, the shootout, uh, certainly Blake Wheeler. But. <clears throat> Hellebuck was the guy that made it happen last night. He's the reason why, uh, you know, in addition to some very clutch shootout attempts by the Winnipeg Jets, who went three for three. Uh, but going back to the first period, the Jets knew that it needed to be quite a bit better in that. Um, but no surprise that Hellebuck got the helmet after the game and uh, continued the power of positive thinking, uh, but also kind of reminded the boys that they need a better start tonight in Toronto. Check this out. Hey, great win, boys. Uh, wow. Five wheels, two finish shootouts. Five. Sorry, uh, fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, boys. You know we need a better start, but let's start believing we're making playoffs. I love it. The power of positive thinking, and I know there's not a lot of people that think the Jets are going to be in the playoffs, but I'll tell you what, they have zero chance if that guy doesn't believe it, and. Uh, Remo, we were joking before the show when we were going through the playoff numbers that, uh, oh, it looks like the Jets have a 10% chance or a 12% chance. I honestly believe that Connor Hellebuck is sort of on the flip side of that. I think he believes that they've got like a 90% chance as long as he goes out and plays and does what he does right now. You know what? That sort of confidence from a guy in between the net can be very valuable for a team that desperately needs to go on a run. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the one thing about Hellbuck, he's never been short on confidence. He's always likes, or I think maybe sometimes he doesn't like his game, but most of the time he believes he can stop every shot. And I think that's what you want in a goalie. And hey, maybe it'll rub off on them and they go on a run and, and win out here. I mean, they're, I keep reading, they're one of the best teams since what, late February 
Now, it might be too little too late for the Jets, but they're giving us something to talk about here, and we're looking forward to tonight's game uh, in, in Toronto. All right. I knew this would not take long in the chat for this take to come out. And uh, Dylan Webb, we need the clip of Wheeler stealing Pierre-Luc Dubois' 100th goal. Ah, there was weird. a 100% chance that that take was showing up in the game, to, in the game tonight. Now, I will say this about that goal. It's about the cheesiest goal Blake Wheeler might score in his entire career. That being said, that being said, in the situation that he was in, in the crease with the puck there, I mean, that is instinct. Get your stick on the puck and make sure it goes in. Now, I will say this. If you watch the replay after the puck goes in, and normally there's that elation of scoring the goal, Wheeler looked up, you know, and just sort of owned it going, oh, my God, I didn't really need to touch that, did I, to go in? Um, and it was somewhat unfortunate, Reed, because they originally gave it to Dubois. You saw the trainers taping up the puck with 100, and then, you know, they showed the replay with it being touched like a centimeter before the puck fully went over the line, and the goal was credited to Blake Wheeler. And I'll say this, after that, I think Wheeler was a little sheepish about it, felt bad about it. Um, bottom line is it was important that they scored a goal brilliant play by Dubois who was a monster last night and after that I thought Wheeler was squeezing it a little bit kind of trying to feed PLD um, you know certainly as the game went on they uh, they continued to play well and, you know both made big big impacts later on in the game but just the fact if it was anyone else they probably would have gotten a break from a section of Jet fans but I knew there would some, be some scuds at the captain for the way that one went in. Uh, but I'll tell you what, um, as, uh, as maybe unfortunate the way that went in, it was an important goal. It was all PLD that made it happen. Uh, but the captain paid the rest of the team back with uh, full Pat Kane in the shootout with the game on the line. As far as the uh, Wheeler goal goes, um, I mean, you see the puck in the crease area you want to make sure it goes in i don't blame the guy i'm there to see some <laughs> some takes on there I'll, i'm gonna weigh in on the shootout uh winner i've seen so many hot takes on that one was it a sick move or an illegal one and for me i don't really first of all the jets won so i really i didn't care but um you know maybe he did stop but they've never called they've never disallowed that type of goal and i will i will say this I mean, you watch that overtime. The penalty that was called on the Jets, I thought was a very weak slashing call. I thought that had happened to Dubois earlier in the game. And Dubois was clearly slashed with 40 seconds left, and that didn't call, get called. So it seems to be par with the course for overtime where they call nothing anyways. So that goal stands. They've never, they've never overturned that move. Is it a little cheesy? Like, yeah, maybe, but I think it's allowed, so... What, like whatever they don't call any other penalties in overtime so why should they call that if that isn't a legal goal I, uh, I I'm with you on it I mean I realize that that is probably not quite within the spirit of the shootout rule but you could do that on a penalty shot so it's no different than uh, than in the in the shootout yeah people the are saying thing he, yeah sorry I was gonna chime in while you were adjusting your mic there people say yeah, he never yeah. stopped he did kind of stop he slowed down, and then by the time he's like does his last stick handle, I thought maybe he stopped moving. But again, like they don't call the rules as they are in overtime, so why should they call it as it is in a shootout? Uh, so it was a good goal, good goal for me. 
the uh, okay just there's some great comments in the chat right now on some of these topics that we've uh, that we've said um okay yeah. so uh, heli's dialed in means the jets can do anything backbone of the team there's from phyllis uh bucky wants lord stanley how can't you start that guy waiters hellebuck probably hits on super bottles he's got confidence he definitely has confidence and then rob mahoney with a bit of a shot to hellebuck how dare you rob heli awfully cocky for a guy who took 66 games to start stealing games i don't know about that um but i'll say this he is and i can see how it can come across as cocky but we've all been following connor hellebuck through this entire his entire career he's a goalie goalies are a little weird and connor hellebuck has the greatest level of self-confidence of anyone i think i've ever met or crossed paths with and that folks is an uh, is an enviable trait in anyone but especially a national hockey league goaltender now, as far as the Wheeler, quote-unquote, stealing the goal, um, <laughs> the EKD, Wheeler's face palm was hilarious. So that was the moment when he sort of went, oh, I'm going to get killed for that, aren't I? Um, Will Smith owns Pistol Rock. Wheeler was selfish and wanted a goal. And then with the big smile, I'm pretty sure that was a joke. It was pretty funny from Stonewall Dave. And uh, <laughs> Nicole J, that was sad. PLD looked a little ticked as well. Uh, and P <laughs> PDJ, NYC, eh, didn't steal a thing. It's about getting the puck across the line for sure. Uh, James Henderson, Wheeler, Wheeler, goal stealer. Nice rhyme, James. And Jay Miller had to make sure it went in. Would have done the same. And uh, and Stonewall Dave, in real time with the contact and movement, it was totally understandable. So, uh, yeah, listen, it was a funny replay. It was one of those good problems to have. Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to have plenty more opportunities, hopefully tonight, to get 100 and help the Jets win hockey games. And uh, bottom line, Rebus, coming out of all of this, Mark Scheifele had a brutal game last night, I thought. I mean, uh, you know, and Dave Lowry did a lot of things with the lines. Um, but this combination now with Wheeler playing alongside uh, Dubois, even without Kyle Connor, I thought really effective. And um, those, for my money, were two of the top forwards on the Winnipeg Jets last night, really driving the bus. Yeah, a couple other guys I want to give shout-outs to. Uh, Ville Hainala goes from not getting in the lineup to playing like almost 21 minutes, uh, recorded an assist. He's got a three-game point, three point streak. So I, I think his spot in the lineup is, is looking strong. He was uh, great last night. Yeah. He was great last night. And, you know, we talked about it, Reem, you know, going in because of Nate Schmidt's inavailability, he was going to be playing with Neil Pionk. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say this, Dave Lowry obviously had a lot of confidence in Billy Hanel. I mean, you look, it's a 2-2 game. There's a minute and a half left, a minute left, and who's out there? Billy. So um, that, I think, is exactly the sort of scenario you'd love to see for a young defenseman that gets a chance to get back into the lineup, playing up, you know, with a, you know, with a real established veteran, playing significant minutes, playing in key situations, and helping his team win hot win the, the hockey game. And uh, you can see, I, I think he even feels a little bit more confident and more part of the team. Of course, he was the guy that got to give out the helmet after winning it in the last game, and um, yeah, he certainly did nothing. Um, to um, to uh, hinder his opportunity to stay in the lineup right now. Now, not going to be an issue for the next few games because, of course, Nate Schmidt and Kyle Connor are missing the next three. Um, and I think this will be a real good chance for Billy Hainala to sort of plant his flag in yeah. that top six for the Winnipeg Jets, regardless of who's healthy and who's not. Yeah, and one other player I want to give a shout-out to, Mason Appleton, who scored the tying goal. Uh, what a shot, and uh, he's settled in pretty nicely. He picked up right where he left off. Uh, you know, on the third line now it's with uh, Lowry and um, and what Sanford. Although it's been moving moving around 
now, but Appleton, I mean, he's going hard to the net. You saw that against Craig Anderson. Some people have said maybe that should have been a penalty, maybe not. I mean, I think you could argue that if you crash the goalie, regardless if you're in control or not, um, you know, maybe it should have been. Anderson smacked his head pretty good against the post, but I mean, the Jets need that type of type of player, a guy who's going to go hard to the net. And we've seen Appleton do that before when he was here previously, and there he was making an impact yesterday and uh, scoring the tying goal. A nice assist from uh, Nikolai Ehlers. We were talking about guys who were stepping up in the absence of Kyle Connor. I thought Nikolai Ehlers has been looking sharp as well. Well, what was interesting, too, yeah. with Ehlers being on that line. And, and you know, this sort of goes back to you know, what I was talking with Marat yesterday about, Reem. You know, I said, you know, at times that combination of Shifley and Ehlers looks so tantalizing. Um, and other times it's just not happening. And I mean, you know, considering there was no Kyle Connor, it was a pretty interesting, you know, way Dave Lowry shook things up. And, you know, he moved Zach Sanford up on that line to start things off. He said it was for one shift. He liked the way it looked and he just sort of rolled with it. I mean, uh, I'm not sure that any of that was entirely planned by Dave Lowry other than just more reacting to how things looked. And listen, there wasn't a lot of great going on in that first period. But, um, you know, part of that led to some of the other changes. Um, you know, with the lines and be very interesting to see the way things start tonight in Toronto, considering the way the Jets certainly did get better in that hockey club after the uh, the first in the hockey game after the first start. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of we've seen a lot of comments here about uh, Zach Sanford uh, getting a chance in overtime. He he almost scored and it hopped over his his stick. He had a few chances I mean, last night. They're missing Kyle Connor. They're pretty um pretty short uh, short bench as it is. So I'm not sure. You know what more these guys uh, these guys can do. So I mean, I had I had no problem with it because like who are they, who else are they going to play? They're you know we're missing Kyle Connor. So and they did have uh, what they had that penalty too, which kind of messed things up. But we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes uh, goes tonight and again against uh, against Toronto. We do have some before we get to Dave. We do have some goalie news though. Leafs. Uh, yeah, Mrazek on the shelf. <laughs> he's out like he's out for a while. Um, Jack Campbell's still out with a rib injury, so it's uh, Schalgren getting the start, and they called up uh, Michael Hutchinson. Hutch is to, back to back up. So, I mean, that's the state. I'm Dave may know more than me about the Leafs goalies, but uh, I mean, early this year, Campbell like favorite for the Vesna. Now, I mean, they've got a real uh, goalie issue there in Toronto. So we will see how it goes. Jets Leafs uh, today. Looking Listen, forward to it's, it. it's so funny that that came up yesterday. I was watching the game with a couple of buddies, and one of the guys goes, "Hey, where's Hutch these days?" Mm -hmm. I'm like, "I'm pretty sure he's with the Marlies." And lo and behold, 24 hours later, he's going to be backing up a guy that we had never heard of two weeks ago um, against the Winnipeg Jets. That being said, um, Jets are going to need to start well. I believe the Leafs lead the league. I heard like 80 first period goals this season. Um, they have been a, a real handful in the first period. And, uh, you know, Jets having played last night, um, going to need to be ready for Toronto right out of the gate this evening. And uh, uh, be will be interesting to see how the team can start as well as who's out there and in particular who's in net. Of course, that uh, being Connor Hellebuck. Um, you know, big night last night in the National Hockey League as far as the uh, rest of the games. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. But we're going to talk with Dave Poole and coming up both about last night and Heading into this challenge against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Just before we bring Dave in, a big thanks to some of the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including our friends over at F Apparel. 
locally owned with Winnipeg's best custom suits for men and a full line of custom clothing, including chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just 400 bucks to the top spot in Winnipeg for a wedding and grad suits. You've got a wedding party coming up. They'll give you a great deal on suits for your entire group. And uh, in that awesome free shirt and tie for Winnipeg high school grads with proof of uh, their student card. Get the young man set up for about 400 bucks for a suit they can wear both for grad and throughout the year. F Apparel are at 190 Smith Street. Check them out online at fephapparel.com. Our friends at Vita Health continue to be the go-to spot. She's now five, six decades in town with the best prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, not to mention delicious lunch options at the grab-and-go deli featuring Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new, fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And uh, of course, our friends, hey, listen, Vita Health has got your food and your supplements, but it all starts with being hydrated, drinking lots of water. And when you think of water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, it's our friends at Culligan that have been the leaders in the industry, family owned for 65 years. They've got it all water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. See them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com. Oh, I'm looking forward to this next conversation. Always great to welcome in our good friend from TSN Hockey, Dave Poolin, to the show. Pooley, what's going on? Thanks for doing this. I'm thinking I can dig up my old student card and go for that free shirt and tie. Like, yeah. I think I got a shot. <laughs> yeah, you can. You, you know what? You're, uh... Now, the picture's a little different, okay? <laughs> but I think I've got a shot at it. I do. Well, the guy had to write down next time you're in the rink, you can pop down and see the guys at F Apparel. I'm sure they'll uh, have something for you, Dave. Um, uh, how's things, to. man? Great to great to talk to you. Coming out of a wild week for you and everyone, uh, working trade deadline, and uh, kind of now we see where the National Hockey League is, the landscape post-deadline going down this final stretch. You know, everyone asks about that day and how challenging it is, and it's a really fun day for us. And I was in studio at 6 a.m., uh, you know, it's funny when they make the makeup lists, like I'm always first, I don't know whether that's cause I need more makeup or cause I'm willing to get up a little bit earlier than O-Dog is. I think that's more what it is, <laughs> but you get in early and, and you see people you don't see very much. Like people assume that we all see each other, but we don't cause we're all in different, you know, arcs. And like, I never see Ray Ferraro. I never get to hang out with him and, and guys that you would assume we see that are here in Toronto, like Jamie McLennan. You just don't get to see very often because we're all doing our own things with respective teams. So it's amazing to say that nine hours goes really quickly, but nine hours goes really quickly. It really does. And, and we have a lot of fun with it. And I think part of it is we don't take ourselves too seriously. And the maestro is obviously James Duffy. You know, he makes it all happen and makes it go around. The quiz master is behind the 51-page missive that day, Andrew. 51-page oh. missive. <laughs> You look at it at first and you're like, yeah, man, I, I thought I was back in school speaking of the free shirt and tie and taking a final exam and looking through it going, I'm never going to get through this. But uh, it's really a fun day and there was lots of action. And now the hockey is every night is fun. And you're at a stage in the season where there's 12, 14, 16 games left. 
every game means something to someone in some capacity. And even if it's a Montreal that I do a lot of or an Ottawa, they got their own thing going and they want to play the role of spoiler and they want to play well. And, and they're both tough outs right now. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to tonight to seeing, you know, what comes off of this. And it's just tough to lose a couple of guys like you do because you have to cross the border for a game. I mean, that throws a wrinkle in there. Like, man, oh man, that's a tough one with Connor and, and Schmidt. Yeah, and it's not just anyone. It's a guy that's yeah. right up at the top of the league and scoring leaders and Kyle exactly. Connor. It's been such a big player. It was so funny, Dave. He was the only guy on the on the club that hadn't got it yet. And there was an article written, I think, by one of the guys, our friends in the free press on Monday, saying Connor has the lone guy that's evaded the COVID. Curse. Didn't even get to the next game before he ended up getting the it. So um, hey, just on the Jets, though, back to the deadline. Was it Know, an unfortunate situation for Winnipeg to be in. Um, you know, I don't think they'd ever thought that they'd be considering trading Andrew Kopp at this point because they were ready for the playoffs. But, you know, with where they are right now, with slim playoff hopes, I think it was incumbent on Kevin Chevalier to do the right thing for the organization. But it wasn't just the Kopp trade. I mean, they brought back Mason Appleton. They brought in Zach Sanford. They did have the trade with the rights to Nathan Smith and Brian Little's contract going out. Uh, but, you know, obviously bringing in Sanford and Appleton to sort of uh, maybe less in the blow of losing cop. What did you think of the challenges that Kevin Chevalier had going into the deadline and uh, how the Jets came out of it? I thought they responded well. And I was a big Mason Appleton guy, and it was no surprise when I heard they'd been trying to get him back. And it was a surprise, actually, that he was available in the waiver draft, but you understand all the ramifications of that. And, and there's a reason that Seattle wanted him as well. And I just liked the identity of that third line, the way it was built with Kopp and Lowry and, and Appleton. And, and so much right now, third lines are becoming a key. And if you look at the ultimate was in Tampa, you know, the last couple of cups uh, with Gord and Goodrow and, uh, and Coleman. I mean, you think of that. And the prime free agents are a couple of guys coming off the third line in Tampa. And Tampa immediately goes out and pays an enormous price to start to rebuild their third line with Brandon Hagel. And so the importance of that line, and now you bring Appleton back, you have Lowry in place, but you lose Kopp. And so someone has to emerge and really grab a hold of that spot. I think they were hoping that Zach Sanford could do that. You know, he comes with the pedigree of the Cup in St. Louis. I watched him a lot in Ottawa. And there are nights when he looks like he could really play that role. But so far, it hasn't been consistent enough. And I think that's the reason for his move through four teams. It's just looking for that consistency, and you hope when he lands in a spot he's comfortable in, and he should be comfortable in Winnipeg, that that consistency builds. But I think all in all, with what you were able to do, um, you know, moving cop is is not comfortable. It's a it's a kid that I still think there's an upside there, and I always thought that I, I loved him, you know, through his younger years, and and I always said he was a little bit late coming to his offense because he was a quarterback. And he was busy playing football through high school and everybody else was focused on hockey and skill development. And so he was still, he's still getting better at his age. And that's the hard part. What a start he's had for the Rangers too. I mean, we were talking yesterday yeah. in the program, he led their forwards in ice time by a slight margin, but was right there up at the top and is scoring more than a point a game. I mean, uh, hasn't taken him a long time to make a difference for uh, the blue shirts. But look at what they focused on too, right? They, they went and got Frankie Vitrano and they went and got Andrew Kopp because They've got their Savannah Jeds and their Panarins and, you know, their high-end guys, but 
they know if they're going to make noise in the playoffs, that that's what it's going to be. And so they're also, it's interesting, isn't it? The price that's coming with those third line guys now. And, you know, you're one of the top nine on the hockey team. So the high price guys are always the guys that score more, but everyone is fully understanding the value of that third line player. Well, and I think that's why, I mean, from my perspective, I was stunned that the Jets were able to get Mason Appleton, you know, for a fourth round pick. Um, he's making 900 grand, Dave, and, um, you know, he's an RFA and would not have the numbers for a massive raise. I mean, I certainly expect that Mason Appleton will be in that spot for the next couple of years. And to have a player making in and around that in that position that can contribute, I think will be important to allow Kevin Day off maybe to distribute some of that cap in some other places to help the team uh, move forward. And obviously, we'll see what happens in the offseason as far as by potential move of one of the five veterans on the blue line to give a player like Billy Hainala, obviously Logan Stanley's there as well, and maybe Dylan Sandberg, Johnny Kovacevic, who's going to join us later on in the program, an opportunity next year. Um, what have you made of the Jets so far? I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are very surprised that they are in the situation that they are in. Um, listen, they've been getting some results over the last month. They've been staying in it right now, but uh, man, they had such a big hill to climb. It still is, I mean, by the numbers, unlikely, but um, they're putting up a pretty good fight right now. They are. It's a team that, you know, I've always, I've, I'm, and I've always thought was just on the verge. I mean, I just have. I've, I've followed them so much over the last handful of years and watched their players grow and watched their players develop. And, you know, even go back and, and look at the uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, the Line A trade, and, and how he's emerged now as a force. And if you'd have said that Kyle Connor was going to be your top goal scorer on your team, you'd say, wow, we're in really good shape here. Um, but the pieces haven't fit together the way they look like they should. And I'm not sure why. You know, some of that's up to individual players and, and some of it's up to timing. And it seems like just when they get things going, well, Ehlers goes down with an injury. So what that forces you to move the lines around again. And it doesn't seem like it's clicked. You should go in pairs. You should, you should say, well, Shifley and Wheeler are fine. And Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor are fine. Lowry and Appleton now or caught previously are fine. Now find the other pieces. Who gets Ehlers? And, you know, how does that play out? And how does everything match up? And it just hasn't. Where does Stasny fit exactly? And while there have been lots of options, this team should be better than what they've produced this year. Now, they, like everybody else, have had the COVID. They've had, you know, the different challenges along the way, the loaded schedule at times. Um, I don't think Connor Hellebuck has been at the top of his game the entire year. And, and he's the one who set his own bar, though, Andrew. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sitting here saying that, and I'm saying all I want is what I've seen. And, you know, part of that could be the grouping in front of him and, and that they've created more high-scoring opportunities in front of him. But the defense, when you add a Brendan Dillon and H. Schmidt, should be better. So I've used the word should a lot and because I've seen – each of these individuals and as a team play better and more consistently through the, than they have through various parts of this season. It, it is. I mean, they have been confounding at times. I mean, they'll have a couple good games and then just, I mean, lay one down. I mean, well, you like, think here they come. Like yeah. you're watching, you say, oh, great, here they come. Well, we felt that last week and you looked at the schedule over the past week of a number of teams well below the playoff line. And <clears throat> that's why I think that game last Thursday against Ottawa, which was, I mean, dreadful by just about every measure, um, you know, was disappointing so much, I think, to both the guys in the room as well as the fan base. 
And listen, none of these last three games have been Picasso's by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. I mean, they won an overtime against Columbus, overtime against Arizona, a shootout last night against Buffalo. Uh, but there's no style points right now when you're uh, playing for your playoff lives. you got to get two points. And it'd be fascinating to see how this team looks tonight because they have risen their level of game against some of the better teams. And certainly we don't have to go back too far to December 5th to remember the first game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets this season. And uh, be a very interesting matchup and an interesting situation for both teams. We talked about where the Jets are. Leafs in a very lofty spot, but man, huge questions about goaltending right now with Mrazic out. And, um, you know, I, I, what do you think about this matchup tonight? And do you think there'll be any carryover from all the funny business that happened in the third period of that game in early December? Or is that too far back in the rear view? Uh, I don't. I think that's too far back in the rear view. You know, I can't remember what I had for lunch today. And it's only like 2.30 in the East. So <laughs> I think hockey players can forget pretty quickly. Um, little variable tonight you forgot to mention is there's a uh, certain Maple Leafs sitting with 49 goals. And that's Austin Matthews. So you I didn't got want to mention too. that the Jets are the Jets are the milestone team, Dave. Team. Get you on know. the cool bet and hit that prop on a Matthews goal. <laughs> but hopefully that'll be it. <laughs> it might be, but the goaltending situation is clearly up in the air here. And this kid Eric Schalgren has come in like when you just see out of the blue, like totally out of the blue. And he's actually solidified the situation. And he was able to do it before the trade deadline for about the week to ten days before that, and got it calmed enough where. You know, Leaf fans weren't, you know, literally screaming and yelling that a goaltender had to be acquired. Um, Peter Mrazek hasn't been a fit. Each time he's come back, even if he's played, you know, well, he's got hurt immediately. And Jack Campbell, they need a healthy Jack Campbell, but they also need a Jack Campbell that was playing like he was in October, November, December. They don't need the healthy Jack Campbell who was playing like he was in January and February because that was a different player. So a lot of questions for certain. Um, Giordano has been, as you would expect, you know, with the trade deadline pickup there. And he's also solidified a partner in Timothy Lilligren, which you would expect from Giordano as well. You're purchasing the player, but you're also purchasing the trickle-down asset of the player and how he, you know, in a compound manner affects other players on the team. And he has done that. But, you know, if, if you're playing against them, even with Tavares and Nylander on the second line, it's that first line that has been the absolute force. Marner is passing the puck as well as anyone in the NHL right now. And Matthews is scoring. And Michael Bunting has been an interesting one, Andrew. And you won't know much about him. He played 26 NHL games before this year, and he's 26 years old. But he's been, you know, in a manner, a perfect complement to those two players. He doesn't need the puck. Um, he'll go get the puck. He's incredibly, incredibly annoying to play against. And so that takes some of the other team's focus away from Matthews and Marner because he's just a guy you, you just get annoyed with the, from the second you line up against the faceoff. He's drawn, I think, the most penalties in the league. And so those are all factors. But he can put the puck in the net and he can be in the right place at the right time, you know, crash your net. So in that manner, he's been a perfect complement because those two guys look for each other as they should. I mean, it's a pair, you know, you go back to, um, you know, the way you see certain pairs of players work together in the NHL, and they are as effective a pair right now as there are from a passing and a scoring standpoint. Well, and I mean, Bunting, I mean, he's, a, you know, a great story. You mentioned at 26 mm -hmm. years old, I mean, a guy that's played a lot in the American League. I mean, from an organizational standpoint, especially with the cap challenges that Kyle Dubas has to navigate with the massive outlay to those top four players, 
Um, I mean, it's hard to put a real value on a player like that, what they can come in at a low cost, fit in and be productive playing significant minutes with top players. No question. And they thought that player was going to be Nick Ritchie. And, you know, he came in with the draft pedigree and, the, you know, the size and everything else. And that never worked from the time he stepped on the ice with those two. And Excuse me, those guys, they're hard to play with. And you would think you could, okay, take a guy like Nick Ritchie with the big body and the left shot and just go to the net and stand with your stick on the ice. It's not that simple because that may be where they want to go. You've got to know where to go on the ice and, you know, how to, how to play off of those guys, if you will. And, you know, I played with players that, like, I, I seriously had no clue where they were going or what they were doing, superstars. Like, none. Zero. <laughs> and, you know, but played with guys that I was right in the element with. And, and you know, my Brandon guy, uh, Brian Prop and I were perfect symmetry on the ice in terms of knowing where each other was and knowing how it all worked. And, but Bunting has done you know, the job, the unexpected job, I think they thought Richie was going to do. Hey, just one more on the Leafs before we uh, got a couple in like the league overall. Um, I mean, they have had a great season, but again, I think for the most of their fan base, they are still stinging from the choke job against the Habs and blowing the 3-1 lead. How would you assess the organizational pressure on the Leafs to, and they're going to have to beat a hell of a good hockey team. They could very well be an underdog in the first round of the playoffs, depending on how things shake out. Uh, but specifically on Kyle Dubas to get this team over the hump and get that monkey off their back, at least to do something in the postseason. Enormous in a word, enormous. And, and they all know it. And it's hard for them not to talk about it. Now it's almost tempering their exploits right now their individual exploits right now because they know now it's looming now it's you know now it's a month away and it's coming and it's coming fast it's in the rearview mirror but it's coming fast and they know that the matchup is going to be very tough i mean you've got a handful of the top teams in the nhl are all jammed into that atlantic division and you know florida looks very good i still think tampa is the team to beat the Boston Bruins are hitting on all cylinders right now. And, and that's just your conference. That's not, or your division rather, that's not even the conference. You know, you've, you've still got another side with Pittsburgh and Washington and Carolina. And, and you're saying, wow, you know, this is a group that's loaded up. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I don't think anyone can sit here and say, ah, oh, you know what? We'd rather play. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> There's nobody you'd rather <laughs> play right now in that Atlantic division for every reason. So as it plays out, I think the pressure continues to build, Andrew, and until they win around, it, it's going to be an enormous, enormous pressure. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to micro itself into periods and into games. And you can't just say, well, you know, give us the seven games. They can't do that. If they have a bad second period of their first game, it's going to micro itself. Yeah, the fishbowl is real there in Toronto. And uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, after what's happened the last few years with uh, a lot of money being paid to some top players and, um, you know, playoff performance is expected. That just hasn't happened so far this year. Um, it is really wide open, though. I and mean, you mentioned, especially in the East. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that share your thoughts that Tampa is still the team to beat. But I mean, I could list like legitimate teams I could see winning the East. I mean, you know, maybe more than one hand. I mean, pretty much every one of those teams in that division with Boston, Toronto, 
Florida, Tampa, mm -hmm. could see any of those. And listen, the Carolina Hurricanes have quietly been right up there with the best teams in the league all year. And Pittsburgh's quietly become, you know, a 40-plus win team. And we haven't even got to the New York Rangers with the guy that's been the best goaltender in there this season all year, which can he win series one. on his own. He could steal one for sure. And then you always take a team like Washington with a pedigree who are a couple of years removed from a cup. And, you know, I think of St. Louis and Washington, those two teams who, you know, they've, most of those guys on those teams have won cups. They know how to do it. And now you get into a playoff series. Can they drop, drill it up for two weeks? Of course they can. Um, you know, do they have the components? That'll remain to be seen. But, you know, I still look at uh, all the guys you mentioned, and Shesterkin has been remarkable. But I haven't seen Shesterkin do it in the playoffs. I have seen Vasilevsky do it in the playoffs. And that, to me, is the, is still the separator, is that big guy in Tampa's net. When you look at the West, Dave, um, um, you think, is this a collision course of the Colorado Avalanche and Calgary Flames playing for a spot to uh, trip to the Stanley Cup? It's hard not to think that. Now, I think what Minnesota did was interesting because they went out and got bigger and meaner at the trade deadline. And they're going to be a physical battle. And St. Louis, I spoke about kind of quietly, you know, now has two goalies that are pretty good. You know, Billy Huso is sort of complimenting Bennington now. And so now Craig Bruby has a couple of options in that. But, you know, I, we don't even know who's going to sneak in there in that last spot. And I, you know, Vegas. I don't know. They've had such a glorious run through their first part of their, you know, franchise. Uh, do they run out? You know, do they run out of gas down this stretch here? That wouldn't. And they, I don't think they can get guys back in the lineup. They seem to think they can, but they're not coming back right now. So I don't know how that's going to work. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And yeah. I know the cap pretty well. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, I just wanted to ask you while we were mentioning the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, you've been on both sides covering trade deadline with TSN, but you've also been, you know, in NHL front offices. How the hell does that happen with the Dadanoff trade? I mean, it, it, you know, were you as stunned as maybe the average person was that you could get to a trade being made and then find out, oh, wait a second. We didn't know about this no trade and the trade has been voided, not to mention what that does to the incredibly precarious cap situation that Vegas was already in, which was the reason why they were making the deal. Right. And by his play afterwards, you would say, well, they didn't want to trade him. Of course yeah. they didn't want to trade him. They, they picked the guy they had to trade, right? It was going to be, I don't know, it was going to be someone, someone that was making 5 million bucks and they had about four choices and they chose to dad off and, and that's what they went with. But I am, I guess I'm surprised that, that it's not going to come out. It's simply not. Whatever happened is not going to come out. They're not talking about it anymore. The guys that were down in, uh, at the Board of Governors meeting said they're simply not talking about it anymore. Whatever deal has been made across the board, it's a closed, it's a closed subject. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a revision of how those trade clauses are handled. And I can remember... You know, because some guys have the ability to switch it every July 1st and you'd be scrambling around going, you know, as so-and-so's agent sent his no trade clause in, it's July 1st, like, you know, and then you'd be, you got to get it in, you got to get in. Well, my guy can't decide. Well, you guys got to decide. You got to get it in. The fact that it's not attached to the contract, I think will change. Like, I have a stapler in my house, Andrew. Staple it to the back of the contract, right? Like, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. It doesn't have to be in the contract. But you could, you could right now, within arm's reach, I've got a stapler, I've got paper clips, and I've got crazy glue, okay? Attach it to the contract. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say you didn't know. 
Like you have to know. It's too important. Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, before we go, we're coming down the stretch. I mean, if you had to, uh, if the it was up to you to choose the three finalists for the Hart Trophy, um, who's uh, who, who's on your who's your top three, Dave? Boy, oh boy. Um, well, I'm going to do what I do to the Quizmaster. I've got six guys in my top three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see a lot of Austin Matthews, and he's right there. But I posed the question today when I was asked earlier about his 49 goals with the Quizmaster. I said, yeah, isn't there another guy in the league with 49 goals? Well, the Quizmaster didn't want to hear that, right? <laughs> no. Dry Saddle's had a terrific year. Shesterkin has really given me pause to think about a goaltender. It really has. And, you know, and then the people in Nashville are screaming to get Roman Yossi. I was going to bring him up. I mean, his I mean, season is just phenomenal. He's points. doing it right now. I mean, I believe in the last month, month and a half, he's been the top scorer in the league, period. Well, I, I do a couple little tests during the game just for amusement's mm. sake, and I'll watch multiple games at the same time, but sometimes I'll... I'll turn sound down and just watch to see how often I see a player. And sometimes I'll turn sound up and just listen to see how often I hear his name. And with Yossi, he passes both those tests with flying colors, man. He is, he's as close to a Rover as we have in the NHL right now. And, you know, I, I think he could play forward. I really do. I think he's that skilled and that talented. So he's, yeah, I'm glad you're allowing me more than three in my top three because uh, right now, boy, oh boy, that's literary license, though, isn't it? We're allowed to change the rules, aren't we? Uh, you know what? Absolutely, Dave. You can do whatever the heck you want when you're kind enough to join us here on the program. Hey, before we go, um, obviously, we're all focused in on this game tonight, and the Jets are focused in on the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Jets do come back on Saturday night and have the LA Kings. And I think if you look at all the teams in the playoffs, certainly from what was thought to be the landscape of the league at the beginning of the year, the Kings might be the team that has surprised the most. Uh, I'm not sure how much you've seen them, Dave, but just interested in the the team that's going to be here on Saturday and uh, your thoughts on uh, where they are as a team that very much looks like they could be uh, in the postseason tournament. Rob Blake and his group have done a terrific job um, because they've had some pieces, long lasting pieces like a Jonathan Quick and a Dustin Brown and an Ajay Kopitar that they've kept in place. It hasn't been, you know, a, an event clearing sale to start over again, but they've worked some of these new young players in and, They've done a really good job. I do take a special interest in the team, Andrew, because one of my former players, Johnny Wobleski, is the head coach in Ontario with the Reign. So I have a couple of my former players, Ben Simon with Grand Rapids in Detroit, who are the head coaches in the American Hockey League. So just in watching, I watched, obviously, they're, they're, my, they're like my kids, right? You watch them a little differently and you watch how they develop a little differently. But uh, so from an interest standpoint, I have followed what's gone on in, in LA. And, and anytime there's a Notre Dame kid like Cal Peterson in that, you know what? I have no choice. I got to follow it. Well, we're going to see them uh, here in Winnipeg on Saturday night. And uh, then the Red Wings come in and then the schedule gets crazy for the Winnipeg Jets. There's a five and seven period and a trip out to Tampa and Florida and, uh, you know, Carolina. So uh, uh, every point so valuable. Dave, thanks so much. When will we see you next on the tube? Uh, not till tonight. I have uh, I have the Jets and Leafs tonight, so that's it. Uh, I will be in full force. We've got uh, Bobby McKenzie back making a guest appearance tonight. 
Bobby Margarita in the house for a little Bobby old Canadian Margarita's matchup. At the, <laughs> sounds the great. Mogul is in the house. <laughs> Dave, uh, enjoy the game. Thanks so much for the time, and hopefully we can catch up again soon on the program. But be well. Thanks. Right on. There is the man himself, Dave Poulin. Great to have Dave on it. Uh, always, always love chatting uh, puck with Dave and know what a great visit he was. We're going to stay with the Jets and get to uh, tonight's game against the Leafs and some more thoughts on last night against the uh, against the Buffalo Sabres with Brandon Rewicki. Uh, as we do that, our friends at Manitoba Battery are ready for spring, which is allegedly here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Yeah, they've been the go-to guys for the best prices on automotive batteries all winter long. But now as we move out of winter, it's time for spring cleaning and spring fun. Um, if you're working, you're going to probably need batteries that will help you get the job done, like for your lawnmower, drill, tractor, uh, whatever the job is, Manitoba Batteries got you covered on the battery front. And as we get into the nicer weather, some of the summer toys are coming out. So whether it's a hot rod, a golf cart, a boat, um, sled, ATV, you name it, they have got it. ManitobaBattery.com or pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue, Manitoba Battery, home of the best prices in Winnipeg for all makes and models of batteries. Um I do want to thank our friends at Royal Sports, and I was in there the other day, speaking of getting nice outside. Um, the bikes are arriving. Incredible selection of bikes, including some really cool e-bikes. As we mentioned yesterday, they are looking to expand the staff on the bike side. So if you have someone that loves working on bikes, a bike mechanic, or someone that would like to learn about that and work on it, Royal Sports is looking for them. You can check out more on their Instagram page at Royal Sports Pembina. Uh, but mechanics in sales, working in the warehouse, if you're into bikes, there's a spot for you at Royal Sports. And they'd love to have you on board or someone from the family. As I said, 750 Pembina Highway. Pop in and... Uh, they are looking for people now. And again, if you're looking for a bike to get into spring with, you can also pop by and check out the huge selection at Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. And as I said on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina. And hey, a lot of people thinking about a new whip for the summer. Uh, if you are looking for a new car before you do anything, head on down to Knot Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? They're at Waverly and McGillivray. And while you're there, you can check out some of the Teslas on site. And if you are interested in going electric, they've got a great program called the Tesla Experience, which will get you a chance to drive, charge, and Find out everything that's involved in moving to an electric vehicle. Uh, you can do that by finding out more information at not.ca or pop down at Waverly and McGillivray. All right, let's keep the puck talk going and welcome in the host of the very popular Skates and Plates podcast, our good friend, Brandon Rewicki. Rue, what's going on? How are you? Not much, man. I, I would say semi-popular. I, I don't know if very popular is... A factual statement, but what do you mean? I was I was checking the Canadian hockey charts. I saw skates and plates moving oh. a huge, <laughs> huge mover up into the top one hundred. People, people can't get enough. I and mean, just first and foremost, if you're wondering what we're talking about, Brandon does a more great Jets coverage wherever you're getting this podcast. Make sure to check in and uh, put in skates and plates and uh, get some of Brandon's content that's coming out as well. Um, let's get right to it. What three in a row? We've been waiting for a while for this team to pull it off. Now, OT against Columbus, OT against Arizona, shootout against Buffalo. I mean, as I said before, I mean maybe the style points haven't quite been there, but uh, results-based business right now, and the Jets need the results that they've got. And uh, you know, it was uh, 
not a great start last night. There was a lot of ups and downs at the game, but um, tell you what, you got a guy like uh, Connor Hellebuck playing the way he played last night. You're going to have your chance to win three in a row more often than not. And uh, he was brilliant last night. What'd you think of the uh, shootout win? No, it's funny because my, my initial thought after it was, is this not the most underwhelming three-game win streak in the history of the NHL? Like, <laughs> the, the murderer's row that's Columbus, Buffalo, Arizona, and and I, I don't know if the Jets outplayed any of them, right? Like, I'm I'm curious, like, what what what's the chat like? Like, what what is everybody thinking right now? Because it's like, like you said, it's all about points, chasing down a playoff spot and all that. So it's like, I don't want to be a... Hottest team in the league, 11-4-1 in their last 15. Make, well, I, was, I would like to say they're making a ton of progress, but I mean, the Dallas Stars just, uh, you know, continue to win these makeup games. And, you know, it is the old uh, objects in the mirror not closer than they appear because of those makeup games right now. But yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot that we can get to, but the bottom line is I think people are way more happy to be talking about two points and what could have been better than how the hell did they leave those two points on the table, leaving that game last night, Sunday night, Friday night, you pick it. Uh, the good thing is we've had few shows like Fridays after last Thursday's turd at home against the Sens. Yeah, I guess it'd be good to play bad, get two points, and then you, you figure the rest out after that. And it's funny, too, because I I was going to say this, I was going to tweet this out yesterday, but at least I can get this on the record now, that I can almost guarantee what's going to happen Wednesday, Thursday, and in, in this game coming up against Toronto, is that the Jets would borderline stink the bed in Buffalo, have a bit of a tough one. Now, I, I thought the Sabres were actually going to come out with a win, but I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be, what, 5-1, 5-2 tonight in Toronto? It's going to be, uh, like, just when the Jets play as poorly as they can against some of the lesser thans in the NHL, they find a way almost out of nowhere to turn it up against some of the best teams in the NHL. So I, I'm actually pretty confident about the game tonight. It'll be the one on, on Saturday that I have a little bit of trepidation over. But I, I'm not going to be shocked if the Jets, you know, in a national spotlight like this, find a way to get it done and and really the i mean there, there's two promising trends that have happened over the past uh couple of games but obviously the biggest one is the guy you mentioned connor hellebuck right like as long as he's playing the way he has yeah he can carry a team that has a 15 percent playoff chance into the postseason and and it was that sequence shorthanded either in the third or overtime i can't remember where he makes like three or four highlight reel saves back to back to back and it was at that point, it's like, uh, I don't think Buffalo's put one past of year. And you wonder if this is kind of the beginning of a prolonged stretch of elite Vesna-like goaltending play from Connor Hellebuck. And if that's the case, yeah, you can probably get away with being subpar five on five. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the case. And it was funny. We played the helmet presentation after at the beginning of the show. I'm not sure whether you saw it, but I mean, he he said, all right, guys, we need to be a lot better starting off <laughs> the game. Uh, but anyways, we got the win. Let's go make the playoffs. I mean, I, I'll say this in my entire life dealing with athletes, non-athletes, I've never met or come across anyone with such an admirable, unshakable sense of self-belief and self-confidence that Connor Hellebuck is. I mean, it almost doesn't matter if things aren't going well for him. In between his ears, he always believes he's the best guy out on the ice. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but um, he's certainly trending in the right direction and they absolutely have it. Could you see any circum any scenario where he doesn't start tonight after the way he played last night? 
as long as the COVID test is negative, he's he's going to get the start. There's that. Yeah, and he's playing the whole 60, maybe 60-plus 60 minutes in this one. And and I touched on this last last week when I was on with you, that for whatever reason, you know, Hellebuck's kind of the anomaly when it comes to goalies on back-to-backs. Like, he actually arguably plays better on the second end of the back-to-back. Ne- never mind the numbers, you know, either stay even or don't decrease all that. Proving much. his like, theory, he should play each and every yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, come on, I'm only on pace for 75 this year. Give me a break. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, it's that that part of it's exciting. And, you know, it's funny, the the confidence thing. May, maybe the skaters in front of him have a bit too much confidence in Hellebuck as well, because <laughs> they know that, hey, throw throw a pizza up the middle. It's going to be all right. 37 is going to steer it back. It'll go back the other way. Um, yeah, there, there's no doubt. There's a lot of things that need to get cleaned up. There's a lot of things that need to improve in the Jets game. But even in a down year for him. And while the raw save percentage number doesn't look all that impressive, you know, you, you peek a little bit behind the curtain. And I think Connor Hellebuck has, has still shown that, you know what, if a down year for me is maybe having the 10th best season in the NHL this year, then, you know what, we're going to be all right for the next couple of years, at least. And then we'll worry about that contract extension in uh, in, in two years time. You know what, we'll talk Vili Hanel and the blue line in a minute, but let's talk about the forward group. I mean, obviously everything was shaken up yesterday with uh after the uh, free had given Kyle Connor the kiss of death, guaranteeing him to get COVID before the uh, the game on Wednesday, with the article on Monday, Kyle Connor the only one to escape the virus so far this year. Um, that being said, interesting to see how Dave Lowry handled things with the lines. Um, Zach Sanford got a move, um, you know, with Wheeler and Dubois to start off, and he said he sort of gave it one shift and then liked the way that it went. What I found interesting, Brandon, I mean, want to get your thoughts on this. I talked to Murata about this yesterday. At times, Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers playing together seem like they could be, you know, a top line in the league. And then there's other games where uh, just nothing's happening. Um, we saw those guys broken up again last night, which I thought was extra surprising because Kyle Connor wasn't there. Uh, what did you think of the Lowry lines last night and how he worked the forwards? And uh, just thoughts on Shifley and Ehlers sometimes being on and sometimes being far from it. Yeah, they're they're pretty boom and bust, aren't they? It, just, it feels like you can't you can't get like a solid. Oh, you know, they had one goal between between each of them, and they were responsible defensive. Right? Like that's that's it's either three goals in the back of the net, one rink, or, or at the other end of the rink. So I I don't I don't really know what to make of it because it's it's funny because I've always and there's a large chorus of fans that feel the same way. So it's not just me, obviously, but doing whatever it takes, essentially, to try to get Nikolai Ehlers 20-plus minutes of ice time each and every night. And it seems like the only avenue for him to do that is playing beside Mark Shifley. And, and you would just think two high-end offensive players like that would would be able to figure it out. And that that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, Nick Ehlers hasn't really found a spot on, on any line this year. And, and not that he's been bad or anything like that, but, you know, you can point to Connor Dubois, Svechnikov, right? That that line has had some extended periods of dominance together. And, you know, Shifley, Wheeler, and Stasny, for example, were really good com- immediately coming out of the All-Star break. I don't know if you could say this has been Ehlers' best spot this season. I, I think he's looked the best besides Dubois and Connor. Now, obviously, that's not an option right now for the Jets, but I... It's just a bit of an enigma for me. And, and again, thought, not that he's played bad, but I, I just don't know. I don't know where you put him in the lineup right now. Well, I mean, on Friday, going into the game against um, the Blue Jackets, I fully expected that we were going to see Ehlers back with Connor and Dubois. And I guess part of it was because I wasn't really anticipating 
Lowry after the game against Ottawa deciding 55 and 26, you guys aren't playing together anymore and move. And listen, Wheeler has looked great on that line since then. I mean, full credit to him. Um, and, you know, it's been so ups and downs. I thought Shife had a really rough game last night. I mean, there was some of the uh, the war. I hated, I, mean, I hated his game. Yeah, I mean. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. I, I hated his game. Exactly. But to your point, in Toronto, bright lights tonight, hometown game. Um, listen, they need a big game for Mark Shifley if they're going to beat the uh, beat the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. And it would not be out of character at all to come back after a disappointing performance with a big one tonight. And that would be a huge, huge boost for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, they, I mean, it's just, it's what they do, right? It's <laughs> when you expect them to win, they stink up the joint. And then when you expect them to drop two points, it's, oh yeah, this is one of the more talented teams in the league that, for whatever reason, just can't figure things out. So that's why that's why I expect a big night out of all of them. And and I I wouldn't be shocked to see Mark Shifley maybe not outplay Austin Matthews, but he might he might outscore him on the night, right? Like so. Well, he better get two because as we just mentioned with Dave Poulin, uh, that Austin Matthews has forty nine, and uh, I'm not sure when the last time an opposing player on the verge of a significant <laughs> yeah. milestone played the Winnipeg Jets and didn't get it, but. Uh, I have a feeling that there might be some Austin Matthews yeah. goal props cash tonight. Uh, that being said, Connor Hellebuck will be doing everything he can to prevent that. Uh, but to me, the guy I'm going to be looking at the most on the Winnipeg side of these, of this is without a doubt 55. And it'll be interesting to see who he ends up playing with right now because, um, you know, really it was the Dubois line that was driving yesterday. And certainly Mason Appleton had a strong game with the setup from Ehlers when he was playing with those guys. Um, but you got to get more from, uh, you know, from your number one center. Yeah, no, it's hey, at least Austin Matthews isn't at 46 right now. I guess that's the <laughs> that's the positive. It's all it's only one, not four. So that's good. But you know, when you talk about number one center, you know, Austin Matthews, uh, and maybe people don't like this because he's on he's on the Maple Leafs, but he is uh, you know, outside of Patrice Bergeron, one of the best defensive centers in all of hockey. And he is probably going to win the Rocket Richard trophy, and he's gonna be in the top. Five top ten of point scoring. What you, about the heart? I would take him to win the heart. I, I know there's you know the Shesterkin thing and all that, but well, he's, hey, who would your top three be? I just asked this to Dave Poulin, and uh, he said I want to give you six guys on my three person list. Yeah. But I mean, if you had to, if you had to nail it down to three right now, um, you were setting the finalist for the award. Um, who would it be? To me, Matthews is definitely in my top three, whether he wins it or not. Yeah, for me, Matthews and Shesterkin are just automatics one two if, if you can make a case for either of them i'm not going to argue too much on that i might go i might go johnny gaudreau as my third there there is like i there is a list of probably six guys that are fighting for that, that roman yossi's got to be in the conversation yeah, roman or roman or you mean <laughs> yes, yeah yes, exactly. that's and then and the norris is crazy too right because you know kale mccarr's he had his name engraved back in december but if, if Yossi hits 100 points, how do you not take Roman Yossi to win the Norris? But, I mean, yeah, Yossi and McCarr, I think, have to be in the conversation as well. But, I mean, for me, when I watch Calgary play, and I know they're, like, the epitome of a Daryl Sutter coach team, Johnny Hockey has been so consistently excellent from game one right on through. And, and he's going to be right up there with the the best in the NHL when it comes to point totals by the time everything's said and done. So I know, I know Huberto is, is rocketing up the point charts as well, but you know, defensively, I don't think he brings as much value as some of the other guys. I would, yeah, I think I'd feel pretty good about Matthew Shesterkin Goudreau on my MVP ballot that will have no bearing on who wins MVP. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I think 
I think Joe Yossi should be in the top three, whether he gets it or not. And, and you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, I'm always looking at the futures numbers. I mean, even at the all-star break, you could get, you could have gotten uh, Roman Yossi to win the Norris at like 12 to one, 13 to one. I mean, it was Makar minus 333. And Yossi has basically been the most prolific player in the league for the last six weeks. And I mean, where would Nashville be? You want to talk about most valuable player? I mean, I don't know what the definition of the, of the award is. I could certainly make a compelling argument that the most valuable player to their team is Roman Yossi on the Nashville Predators. Yeah, see, now this is, you know, the CFL gets two things right. <laughs> okay? The CFL gets overtime rules in football correct, and they get the most outstanding player award correct. Because this whole value, and uh, this is like a shot at you, the whole valuable crap is just so stupid to me because I... But uh, that is what the award is. I agree. It is. Wholeheartedly. But it, I mean, the CFL does get it right. It's very clear what we are voting on when you're saying this was the best player in the league this season. I'm not sure that that is the case when people are voting on the <laughs> NHL's MVP, the it's Hart so Trophy. Dumb because I could turn around and say, well, what about UC Saros's, you know, 920 whatever save percentage? Right. He's and everyone's like, well, goalies are the most valuable. Okay, then goalie should win the award every year. If we're doing it just strictly off who brings the most value to a team, we go, who had the best goalie season? Cha-ching. There's the Vesna and the heart. So that's why the award and, and just using it in the most valuable prism has always been so stupid to me. I just I, I hate it. I abhor it so much. I just I like to <laughs> go off the beaten path and say, who had the best season? And yes, it's difficult to determine forward, defense, goalie, all that, but Who's the best player in the NHL that season? And Shesterkin's been out of this world good. But, man, if you have a guy that's on pace to maybe maybe score 60 goals and finish in the top five in terms of, of Selkie Trophy nominations, I got to go Austin Matthews. For, for me, he's been the best player in the well, league. Well, the funny thing is, we had this whole conversation. We haven't mentioned Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. And Dreisaitl's got 49. And those yeah. guys, and again, this also goes to both the definition of the award, but fair or unfair, when you are playing with another player that is that good, you maybe don't get the credit that you deserve for the season you're having individually. Um, and I think that sort of eats away at uh, both of their abilities to win the award. Yeah, McDavid's like 130 points, and he's like, yeah, maybe I'll fit, maybe I'll squeeze into the top five this year. He he's officially reached like Shaquille O'Neal in the early 2000s, right? Like when when Nash and some of those other guys are winning MVPs and everyone's like, well, I mean, Shaq is the best, but we got to give it to somebody else at some point. That's kind of what it feels like with Connor McDavid to, to an extent here. I, I mean, look, if you wanted to tell me he belongs in the top three, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really argue with that either. But again, that's why the whole valuable thing is, is so stupid to me because you're going to penalize guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl for the seasons that they're having just because they were drafted to a team that they had no pull and no choice. And, and, that's that's the situation that they're put in here. And then on top of it, you can eliminate anyone from Colorado because they've got the most talented supporting cast. So how could you be valuable? Right. So it's that, that's why that whole thing's always totally bothered me. Aside from all that, though, my, my initial point was that Mark Shifley should learn a little bit from Austin Matthews watching him tonight in that you can't you, you don't need to sacrifice offense to play a, a well-rounded defensive game. And there were. Yeah, there were a couple of, of ugly ones against Buffalo, especially that first goal, the little, you know, throw the stick in the lane flyby that he did on, on Gergensen's first goal of the night, right? Like it's, they're, 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 yeah. I think Mark Schleifley would be done well to be shown a, a highlight reel of Austin Matthews plays inside his own end 
and then copy and develop that into his own game. Well, I'll tell you what, I would imagine that with uh, Sheldon Keefe having the last change tonight, he's going to have a front row seat at 34 tonight. Because, I mean, I was thinking back to the job that Dubois did on Matthews when these two teams played in early December. And uh, I would have a feeling that Sheldon Keefe will do whatever he can yeah. to keep Austin Matthews as far away from Pierre-Luc Dubois as possible as much as he can tonight. Yeah, I mean, the ice time splits on Winnipeg's side are going to be pretty interesting because, you know, I would think you would avoid, try to avoid the Shifley versus Matthews matchup, right? But, you know, if, if you're putting Mark Shifley out there for 20 minutes a game, you're right. Sheldon Keefe is going to be more than happy to throw, you know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, but whoever is with them, you know, he's going to get the majority of that matchup and you'd feel pretty good from the Toronto side of things. And, and you know, that's why as well that a lot of people... And I think yourself included when you do the quotation marks, you know, if, if Pierre-Luc Dubois is the guy you want to throw out there against somebody like Austin Matthews and you feel good about breaking even, may, maybe winning that matchup, that, that's mm. your number one center. Like, there, there shouldn't be much of a debate about it, but I'll be intrigued to see both what the matchups are and then ultimately what the ice time is going to be in this game to see if, if that's reflected at all, if we see Dubois or Shifley lead the team as far as uh, forwards go. Well, and to me, I mean, a big question is also where is Nikolai Ehlers? Because if he's playing with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton tonight, I would not be surprised to see, you know, maybe as even a distribution among ice time between the top three lines as we've seen in a while. And I think, you know, certainly we'll probably see him lean a little bit more on Dubois' line. But, you know, considering the opportunities to if you're looking to maybe get away from that 55 on 34 matchup i think the guy that dave lowry will look to match up maybe won't be dubois because he'll often be coming on like they'll come in after it'll be lowry lowry's line going up there and listen i've got some time for nikolai Ehlers playing with those guys to me it goes back to your original point hey you can play him and he can make a difference with those lines but you know, you need to be getting them out there more than 13, yeah. 14 minutes a night, which often is sort of that number that we see that third line playing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the rub there. And in theory, it works, but it doesn't work if they're getting a dozen minutes of ice time a night. And on top of it, too, I think Mason Appleton's been fantastic since he came back to Winnipeg. I, the, the game against Buffalo was uh, may, maybe his, his best performance. I don't even know if it was, but he's been damn good, right? Like, I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the... Sanford top six experiment. I, I mean, for me, when I watch him play, that that looks like a good fourth liner for me, not not somebody that should be playing beside Dubois and Wheeler. But if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to keep Ehlers on the third line and have him carry his own line, but you wanted a bit of, you know, sandpaper and grit, and, you know, this team apparently is not the biggest fan of getting Svechnikov, why, why not give Mason Appleton a bit of a run up there, right? I mean, he's he's brought a ton of energy, and he's got a, a, a decent... When he's in Winnipeg, he's got a decent scoring touch. In Seattle, man, but in Winnipeg, he he puts the puck at the back of the net. I, I, I've i loved his game, and that was that's going to go down. You know, we'll, we'll see what his next contract is, but that's going to be one of the sneakier, best acquisitions that I think we've seen Chevy make. I, I couldn't agree more, and again, I'm an unabashed fan of Appleton. I was sorry to see him go. I understood what the situation was at the expansion draft, but, I mean, to get him back as an RFA making less than a million dollars for a fourth round draft pick and have the opportunity to extend them for another few years at a raise, but I'm not sure it'll be a massive raise. Uh, I think this is a trade we could be talking about, you know, for a couple of years is being very impactful for the Winnipeg Jets, especially if he continues to play with Adam Lowry and contribute and play significant minutes in, um, you know, in that top nine. Brandon, back to the blue line for a minute. Um, 
listen, I've said this before. I wasn't surprised that Billy Hanela came out of the lineup after the game he had on Valentine's Day against Chicago. I didn't think it would be this long before he came back into the lineup. But, um, man, he's looked good in these three games that he's played so far. I mean, a little bit of a point scoring streak. And uh, I guess he's been back for two. Another real strong game. But it was a little different last night playing with Neil Pionk. And there he was playing in the final 90 seconds, 60 seconds of a tied hockey game. Um, Definitely making the most of this opportunity, especially last night playing up in the lineup in that second pairing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was I was pretty nervous for him in his in his first game back just because the team put him in a brutal spot, right? Like, okay, ride the pine, sit in the in the press box for a couple of weeks, a month, whatever it is. And oh, by the way, we need you to come in immediately and, and make an impact for us. And it's tough for for offensively minded players to do that, right? Because like inherently you, you don't want to make the big mistake that sends you back to the press box for a month, but you have to play your game, right? You have to do what makes you super successful. So I was, yeah, I, I, I was kind of worried that he was going to have a stinker since he came back, but I think he's looked great. And, you know, at full health, he's one of the Jets' six best defensemen. You know, I, I don't really think there's much debate to be had there anymore. And if everybody's healthy, to me, Logan Stanley is the guy that comes out. And this pairing with, with Hanel and Pionk, I, I don't anticipate Dave Lowry sticking with this, but, you know, I think you could make the case that Neil Pionk's best games this season have been with Billy Hadella beside him. And I think Pionk's battling something injury-wise too, but, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we haven't seen Pionk-Dylan as a pairing solidify themselves as, as a good, you know, number two pairing on this team. They've just been, you know, mostly down, but, but up and down all season long. You know, maybe just having two smart puck-moving defensemen that can – read off each other well, feed off each other well. Maybe maybe that's the elixir that, that Neil Pionk needs right now. And I would not hesitate to roll with that the rest of the way through here. If I'm Dave Lowry, I just, you know, we, we kind of know how this team handles guys like Billy Hanela, right? He's, he's probably going to be situated on the third pair uh, with, with a guy like Nate Schmidt more than likely. And, and I mean, he'll be good on there as well. I, I just think, you know what? You can kind of get a twofer here if you're the Jets, right? Like you don't have to sacrifice a playoff chase just to play some of the youth here. I think the Jets' best defense core right now is probably Morrissey, DeMello, Bianca, and Hanela. Then you could have a third pair, if you want to call it that, of of uh, Schmidt and um, Brandon Dillon out there. So that, that's the way I would go. I don't expect it to happen that way, but either way, at the very least, really, really good to see Hanela start to, I think, more importantly, just feel comfortable and, and confident at the NHL level. Hey, uh, of course, we're focusing on tonight's game, and I did want to ask you about Saturday. Um, LA Kings coming to town. They've been, you know, for my money, one of the more surprising teams of the year. What do you think of uh, LA, the, their playoff chances, and uh, just this team that's going to be coming in on Saturday night? They're they're fine. <laughs> I, I don't really have a strong opinion about the LA Kings. Like, they're... I'll be honest. I was expecting the bottom to fall out on them for the last couple months, and it just hasn't happened. And um, I, I don't believe, I mean, it saw them hang tight right there through 65 with the Oilers last night. Um, they don't seem to be going anywhere. And if you're going to beat them, you have to earn it. Yeah. See, it's funny because they're kind of an amalgamation of the other two California teams. Like Anaheim is a little bit too young and that's why they kind of fell out of the race that they're, you know, not quite there yet. And then San Jose is a little bit too old, but they've got a, a nice bridge in between the two, right? Like obviously Kopitar is, is still leading the way, but you know, Philip Deneau comes in. And he's a huge, just a massive addition to follow up behind Kopitar on the second line there. But they've got some young guys that have come in and, and played really, really well. And they're a lot faster than they've been 
in a few years on top of it too. So, I mean, Todd, Todd McClellan's, a, he's a hell of a coach. Again, when he's on Edmonton, he's a hell of a coach and, and you give him a good group of players, he's going to get the job done. And then Jonathan Quick's turned the clock around. You know, a lot of people thought he might retire and he's he's been he's been above average as far as NHL goalies go this season. So it's it's going to be a tough out. You're right. Like they don't they're not going to give away the game to the Jets. So they're they're, they're going to have to come in and work it. And um, that that kind of recipe scares me a little bit on, on the Winnipeg Jets side of things. Um, but hey, if you, if you take care of business against Toronto tonight, a little less importance on the game against L.A. on Saturday. Right. You you'd still like the win. But if, if you could split these upcoming four points here. That's that's not the worst scenario in the world for the Jets. Yeah, that being said, if you still are holding out any realistic hope of getting to the playoffs, I mean, they have to go on a big run and splits probably not going to get the job done. Brandon's with us. I know there'll be much more on skates and plates tomorrow heading into the weekend. Um, hey, before we go, did you watch any of the soccer uh, game after uh, the yeah, Jets and Buffalo the last soccer night? Soccer game, of course, of course. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get pod three. So I, I was I was into the simulations last night. Is that for sure? Is that for sure with that loss that we're yeah. into the uh, into the fourth pod? Yeah, I think I think Canada needed the win, and then maybe like one or two other things. Um, but with the with the loss, second pot four. So it just yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a more challenging journey. But that just means more upsets along the way. It's all good. It's all gravy. I mean, tomorrow's going to be fun, dude. I'm so fired up to the, find out how the this main is going to shake is, out. If we could see Qatar, yes, Canada, we're gonna be just fine. It, it's it's if you see Germany, oh, Brazil, oh, Argentina, and then something like that, right? Just as as long as they're not in the group of death, I think that's like I'm okay with that. Just don't be. Don't be the fourth best team in the group of death. And at least you have a fighting chance of getting through. Well, you know what? I mean, I think we all have, you know, I mean, modest expectations for what this team should do. But what they could do, I think, is pretty exciting. And I'll say this. And again, I mean, I am far from any sort of a soccer expert, although I enjoy learning more and more about it as I watch all these games. The one thing that I find talking to people that really do know what's up, that follow what's happening in and around the world, is that people are paying attention to this Canadian team. And to be honest, the squads that are in the one and two and three spot, the last thing they're going to want to see coming out of the fourth pod is the Canadians. Yeah. I mean, that could be something that makes the so-called group of death because I think they have the uh, the momentum that they're probably better than most of those teams in, and they will be a tough out regardless of who they have to play. That's the best part is that Canada is the team nobody wants to face. Like, like how cool is that? And even like I was doing a simulation and, and one of them, I forget, but it was Argentina in there with Canada. And I was like, yeah, we could beat Argentina. What, what the hell has that ever been? A sentence <laughs> anybody's ever uttered before. Right. But it's like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe John Herman could whip up a game plan and they could slow down Messi and company. Right. So it's, I, I'm just excited. It, the, the crappiest part is that it's not till November. So you know, you you wonder if some of the momentum and all the the positive vibes and that wears off a little bit once you get closer to winter. But I mean, just just the fact that we're talking again, not can we score a goal? Can we get a win? It's can we maybe win a, a knockout round game like that? Just it, it's still it's just crazy to me that we've gone this far in in Canadian men's soccer in, in such a short amount of time. Malpree says Brazil, Germany, Japan, Canada is a possibility. That sounds more group of deathy than uh, than deathy, many yeah. of the other other possibilities. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we're going to have a many months to to get ready for it. 
But honestly, I think sort of from a from a soccer standpoint, Canadian soccer, I mean, the ability to build on this, to to hype it up, to you know, to have friendlies, to prepare, to have the eyes of the country on this team is going to be great. And I have no doubt, Brandon, that when we get to November, a time that's normally dominated by the National Hockey League season going on, the NFL season, the CFL playoffs, the World Cup in Team Canada is going to be above all of those things. And frankly, is going to suck up a lot of the oxygen on sports shows like this and just general sports conversations around the country. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to retitle the show, figure out something soccer related that rhymes with plates because it'll be uh, a purely footy related show from from November on. But well, yeah, we're WST Winnipeg yeah. Soccer Talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it now. <laughs> that, it's an easy rebrand, but I mean, I'm basically just hey, get out the heat lamps, tell me where to meet up somewhere downtown, whatever it is. I'm there. Do we I'm know there. what what time are the games gonna be at? Like, is it all, they're all, I guess, be in the morning, right? Because I oh, believe Qatar local time. I think Qatar is like seven hours ahead of us or something like that. Yeah, eight hours, eight hours. Eight hours. So like hours. night games would be like, say, eight o'clock would be the last one. So noon. So we're going to talk about sort of 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon games. Tell you what, it's so awesome. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Well, I'll be looking forward to your thoughts on the World Cup draw tomorrow. And uh, of course, big game tonight for the Jets going up against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and then back home for the Kings uh, on Saturday. Beauty. Thanks again for having me on, man. We'll talk soon, okay? New skates and plates tomorrow for peeps. That's right. Tomorrow podcast. I think you get the deal. Yeah, we, uh, we all know. You know where to get it, folks. That's skates and plates. Brandon, thanks for doing this, man. Talk to you next week. Yep, beauty. Have a good one, man. Right on there, good old pal Brandon Ruiki. And yes, I did see those hilarious comments about him being the conscience of the big show and, uh, you know, uh, refereeing all those uh, legendary fights between Westy and Toth in the morning show. Uh, but listen, I'm really excited about this next segment. We are going to be talking to Johnny Kovacevic of the Manitoba Moose. Just before we do that, a big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug Brewing. Winnipeg's favorite local beer. You can pick up the 1919 at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city. Grab it at your local beer store, along with all the other great Little Brown Jug offerings. Or better yet, pop down and see them at the Brewery and Tap House on William Avenue. And if you're not able to make it down there, Little Brown Jug delivers Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Go online to littlebrownjug.ca. Get your order, and they'll deliver it to you. Our friends at Princess Auto are ready for bomber and gold eye season. Of course, we've had a great year working with Princess Auto on our curling reports as they've been such a big sponsor of the sport as well as Team Mike McEwen and Team Jennifer Jones. Uh, but now we're looking ahead to spring, an exciting baseball season coming up. And of course, the Bombers going with the three-peat and Princess Auto proud sponsors of both of those local teams. Uh, in addition, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two local locations or get those ideas working and shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com and uh hey lots of hockey coming up this weekend we got moose games friday and sunday we've got the jets on saturday and if you are heading down to canada life center always great stop to uh pop in and see our friends over at boston pizza city place before the game or afterwards whether you're with the boys and uh, your friends in the lounge or with the family in the dining room you can enjoy those great gourmet pizzas boston's wings 
and of course, ice cold schooners if you decide to get into that as well. And if you're not heading downtown to the game, nowhere better to stop off at your local Boston pizza. And of course, if you're at home, check out their game day deals and order online uh, and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we're uh, just getting Johnny Kovacevic ready. I want to make sure that he can hear us. Uh, before we do that, folks, I mean, and we've had Murad on a number of times. If you have not read the uh, piece on Johnny Kovacevic uh, that Murat did, I think if you go to Murat's Twitter page, uh, it is actually the pinned tweet at the start. Uh, Murat does a number of great analytical pieces, uh, but man, this piece on uh, Johnny's background, his family coming to Canada, uh, was one of the great player profiles we've seen. We've been looking forward to getting Johnny Kovacevic on the program for a little while. Manitoba Moose defenseman who did make his National Hockey League debut earlier this season joins us now in the midst of a, a very busy week for the Manitoba Moose at home. Johnny, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's great to get you on the program. What's up? Thanks for having me on, Hustler. I appreciate it. Well, it's uh, it's good. You know, and listen, tough loss last night. Big win on uh, Tuesday. I mean, uh, how are you and the boys feeling right now? I mean, you've really earned yourself a pretty enviable spot getting ready for the playoffs right now and uh, just looking to finish the job heading down the end of this regular season and get ready for uh, when it really counts, uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we feel pretty good. We're we're confident with our team. We've had a pretty solid year so far. Um the last couple of weeks have been pretty busy, just lots of games, road trips. I know we've had some postponed games, so it feels like late in the season, the schedule's really picking up. So, uh, you know, we feel good. We need to prioritize some rest right now. And, and we're playing a bunch of teams who are, I mean, we haven't secured officially. We haven't clinched playoffs or anything. Um, but we're playing a lot of teams who are kind of fighting to get in the playoffs and, and we're kind of ready in the playoff picture there. So, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of that weird spot where we're in their home stretch, but we still have um, maybe 10 to 15 games or so left where we got to start gearing up uh, for hopefully a good playoff run. Well, listen, I mean, it's been an, a, an awesome season so far. And the thing that's interesting about your team, Johnny, is that, I mean, you guys have not been a club that is, um, you know, blowing teams out goal-wise. I mean, you know, some pretty pedestrian offensive numbers overall for the team, but it's so well spread out and distributed. I mean, this isn't a team that's relying on one or two guys to get the job each and done every night. It really does seem, from my perspective, like the definition of team with different guys stepping up uh, night after night. Absolutely. That's, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. We are... We're definitely a team and and you can feel that around the locker room i mean I've, i'm obviously a part of it so i can feel it but uh yeah we're definitely playing for each other we're, we're a big team and i mean a lot of times we'll just kind of find ways to win it's maybe not always the prettiest and we'll just say like oh that's another moose win like moose wouldn't have it any other way so we like having a you know a bit of a gritty game and and uh yeah, not necessarily blowing teams out, but being comfortable in those tight games and, and just sticking to our game and finding ways to win. So um, that's what we've been doing this year. And and hopefully going into playoffs, I mean, you kind of see that throughout different leagues, but depth scoring is big and having different guys step up. And we're pretty confident with anyone in our lineup that they can step up on any given night. So that's huge for us. 
from a personal standpoint, I mean, you continue to, uh, you know, take big strides forward in your professional career. I mean, you've got career highs in uh, in all, pretty much every category, goals, assists, points, playing a lot right now. I mean, uh, tell us about your personal development right now at the AHL level. We'll talk about getting a taste of the NHL as well. But, I mean, just how do you feel that this season's gone for you? And um, um, does it look, does it feel to you as much as it looks on the outside of the way that you continue to raise your level of game and get closer to that uh, ultimate dream of playing in the NHL? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I kind of keep the same attitude, the same perspective uh, every season, and that's that I want to come in, help the team, uh, work my hardest on my game, and and do whatever I can to help us win. So um, just coming in, working hard every day, uh, I definitely feel like every year my game's kind of taken the next step, and that's a credit not only to my work, but also to um, Eric Dubois, our D coach, and um, all our other coaches and the other D-men that I get to come in and work with every day because we have a really strong decor and I get to learn from from the other guys. So, um, yeah, it's credit not just to myself, but, yeah, I feel like um, the season's been good. There's been ups and downs just like any season, especially um, this year is definitely longer than last season with that shortened COVID year. So um, there's more, I guess, room for error. Things go up and down, but overall – um, when I take a step back and look at it, yeah, it's been a pretty good year so far, and I'm hoping for a good finish to the year as well. So tell us about getting the call up to the National Hockey League for the first time. How did you find out, and what was it like going out there for the lap and uh, playing game one of your National Hockey League career earlier this season? Um, I found out the morning of. I was in the gym, and and uh, Dave Lowry had a talk with me. He told me I'd be in the lineup that night against Vancouver. So um, it was a really special moment. I uh, obviously called my my parents right away and it was awesome they were able to make it in so my my mom my dad my brother were able to come in my sister she lives in new zealand so she wasn't able to make it but um i had a lot of support a lot of nerves going into that game obviously and um just almost during the game you're not thinking about like oh i've been working my whole life for this like there's all there's a lot of like nerves there's a lot of you know, preparation that goes into it. So you're kind of just trying to stay in the moment. But afterwards, there's definitely a time for reflection where you can look, sit back and and think about how far you've came. And it was an amazing moment for me. And I'm happy that I got to play um, four games because I feel like every game I got a little more comfortable. And obviously it's still, you know, when I'm up there, it's a new team. I'm not used to everyone. So being up there a little longer helped me kind of just feel a little more comfortable up there and and it was a good taste for what the NHL is. Well, and you know, it was sort of funny the way things happened for you and your teammates. I mean, yourself, um, Declan Chisholm, Dylan Sandberg, Vili Hainla. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about how crowded it is and some of the veteran defensemen the Jets have on their club. Well, it seemed like half the team was out at that point, and so many of you guys making the step from the Moose to the National Hockey League pretty much at the same time. Um, you know, during that point, and even when you guys were back with the Moose, it must have been uh, sort of fun for so many of you to be getting a crack in the league together at the same time. Oh, that part was awesome. Yeah, I love well, just being around the rink, too, like I said, it's a new team. So being around the rink and uh, having those familiar faces from the Moose, that really goes a long way because obviously is when you're on the ice, that's – I mean, there's some games I'm on the ice. I'm only playing, let's say, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it may be, but you're at the rink for four or five hours of the day. So it's like those 
having friends and stuff off the ice definitely helps you relax, helps you stay in the moment, helps helps your game so much. So, yeah, having all those guys up together was definitely a lot of fun. Um, and that's kind of – it seems to me that's kind of the way things work almost. There's there's so many guys there. You, seem, you feel like, oh, there's a log jam. There's too many guys. And you have too many numbers one week. And then next week, all of a sudden – you know, half the teams out that happens that's happened with the moose in my three years several times. So I feel like you just got to stay ready at all times. And um, yeah, when you get that opportunity, try and make the most of it. You know, uh, you know, heading out to moose games this year. I mean, it does seem like your team really does enjoy being with each other, have fun. I mean, and you yourself and a number of your teammates taking part in some real fun promos and some videos on the thing. I mean, uh, it seems like there's just a good vibe around this team with a lot of, you know, excitement, both about the season as well as what's to come in many of your respective careers. Absolutely. I think uh, I've never really had a team on pro that's this close i mean we spend so much time together and we just genuinely want the best for each other i mean a lot of times uh the ahl can be a competition between teammates and and it's good if there's a healthy competition because you obviously want to be the next call up and whatnot but i truly feel uh like we have a team environment here and and i want the best for everyone on our team and and i want the moose to win i want us to be successful and um and I genuinely care about every all my teammates as people, and I know they do the same for me. So that goes a long way. Um, and I think that's the reason why we're having a good year, because like you said, we don't have necessarily someone who's top of the league in scoring or even close to that, really. It's just we're all taking care of each other, and one night after the next, someone finds a way to step up, and, and it's been good for us. Nice addition to the club at the deadline with Morgan Barron coming in. Uh, your buddy Jeff Malotz, old BFF from Cornell, come in. Uh, how does he fit into the club uh, before getting the emergency recall earlier today? Oh, he's been great. He seems like, yeah, he's going to fit in very nicely both on the ice and off the ice. So, um, yeah, I know he's one of Jeff's good buddies, and, um, yeah, he seems like a really nice guy, a hard worker, uh, and someone that brings, honestly, brings a little bit of everything to the lineup. He's a big body, but he's got skill. He, he can kind of play any style of game. And I think that's going to be huge for us going down the stretch. Hey, speaking of Jeff Malott, we had him on a couple of weeks ago after his infamous walk-off shootout winner. <laughs> um, what was, where were you when that happened? And what was the reaction of the boys on the team when he scored and immediately left the playing surface? Uh, I was on the bench and uh, I actually followed him off the ice. I thought everyone was going to follow him. I thought we were all just <laughs> caught in for that. But most guys went uh, to Arvid because our, our goalie who played an awesome game. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess that's just like an example of us having a lot of fun at the rink. Um, and um, I didn't think it would blow up as much as it did, but it blew up and yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of an idiot, but in a fun way. So I love Jeff, and uh, it was an awesome celebration. A great character. Um, uh, how's Mark Morrison been? I mean, uh, new head coach, and obviously Pascal had been here before. I mean, uh, what's he been like, and how's he helped you personally uh, so far this season? He's been a great coach. He's he just has a really good feel for the team and a really good feel for the game. So um, he kind of lets us lets us kind of. Um, you know, he has faith in us to dictate how it's going to be in the locker room um, and doesn't want to 
you know, over staff. He does a great job kind of empowering others, whether that be the leadership group or assistant coaches or whatnot. So he doesn't want to micromanage, but when it's time for him to step in, um, he'll do that. And I know we got a lot of respect in him, a lot of trust in him that um, we know we're, we're going to be the more prepared team. And um, yeah, I, I think he's been really great for us this year. Hey, you know what? Uh, Mitch and chat wanted me to ask you about the, uh, you know, the trade in Nelson Noje. Um, you know, Noje has been such a big part of this team for a while. And, you know, it speaks to, I think, just the depth and how strong the blue line has been that, you know, some of the minutes that he normally had wasn't there before. I mean, uh, what did you make of him getting traded? And was this, you know, basically the organization doing him right, giving him an opportunity to get to a spot where, um, you know, he can play a little bit more? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to miss no, miss no uh, my three plus years here. He's been one of my best friends here. Um, and I've said this before to the media, but he's I don't think I've ever played with a better teammate. He's an amazing team player, brings great energy. Um, and, and even when things weren't going well for him personally, he would always bring the, the right attitude, um, right mindset to the rank and he'd want the best for us. And so we're definitely going to miss him around the locker room on the ice. And, uh, but yeah, part of me is happy for him because I do want to see him get a chance to play. I mean, that's, that's, we all want our careers to go well and we all want to develop and you got to be playing games in order for that to happen. So yeah, hopefully, uh, he finds himself with a nice new home out in California and, and, uh, yeah, wishing the best for him, but wish he was here too. Johnny Kovacevic of the Manitoba Moose with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily. Johnny, just before we go, I wanted to kind of step away from the here and now and just talk about, you know, your road to Winnipeg and, you know, obviously making your NHL debut this year. I was mentioning that great piece Marat did on you and your family growing up earlier this year in The Athletic. Um, I, to, to, if you could, for our listeners, tell us about growing up, how big of a hockey part of hockey was your life? And at what point was even being a professional on your radar as, uh, as you grew up and played? Yeah, hockey was a big part of my life growing up when I was a kid. Um, but it, it wasn't a part of my life so much that I thought it was going to be a career. Like, it was a big part of my life because every day with uh, my three best friends in elementary school, I'd play road hockey after um, after school or at lunch. We'd play mini sticks. There would always be some kind of hockey around. Um, so I loved the game, and that's why it was such a big part of my life. I would watch every night. I just really loved the game. I loved playing it. I loved watching it. I loved everything about it. So, um, but I always just kind of thought it was a sport. It was just some, something that I would do that, that made me happy. So I continued to do it. And, um, with my parents, they always, you know, whatever I'm doing, they want me to work my hardest and give a hundred percent of myself to it. So I think from a young age, I would give a hundred percent of myself to hockey, but that's just because that's how I did anything. Um, so yeah, growing up, I wasn't necessarily the best player, even in my town, uh, smaller town of Grimsby. I wasn't even the best player there. So I never really thought like, like obviously every kid dreams to be in the NHL, but it wasn't necessarily on my radar. And then at all during minor hockey. And then it, when I went to junior hockey, I was a uh, tier two junior A. So I tried out for the OHL, um, couldn't make it when I was 16. Also couldn't make it when I was 17, which is your first NHL draft year. And I wasn't even, you know, able to make a CHL team. So uh, my goal then I went to junior A was to go to college and uh, get a scholarship to play hockey and go to school. 
So I ended up getting a scholarship when I was 17, which was huge for me um, to Merrimack College. And when I went there, uh, I enrolled in engineering, um, civil engineering. And I thought, you know, realistically, I thought at the end of, I thought I'd be playing college hockey and that was great, but I was, I had to be realistic as well. And that's why I signed up for engineering because I wanted to get a, you know, a secure job after, after college was done. So even when I went to college, when I was 19, I was still, you know, kind of thinking that I'd, I'd be working as an engineer afterwards. Uh, I ended up having a really good freshman year at Merrimack. Um, and that's when I got drafted third round to Winnipeg. And, you know, that, not until that year did I really think that hockey could um, be a career for me. And, it, and it, it's not that I, you know, didn't have belief in myself. I was just always, I don't know, maybe taught to be too realistic or, or whatnot, because if you're looking just at a number standpoint, yeah, not a lot of people get the, get the opportunity to play um, pro hockey. So, uh, but honestly, that didn't deter me. Like I said, I love hockey. I loved hockey back then and I love it just the same, if not more now. So it's not that I thought, oh, I'm not going to make it, so I'm not going to work hard. I, I love the game, and I, I loved working hard at the game too. For me, improving on my game is one of the most fun things you can do. So it's something that I'm still, you know, trying to do. And obviously now hockey's my goal of playing hockey as for a, for a living has kind of come to fruition. So it's looking back, it's been an amazing road. And, and that's why sometimes if I ever have doubts or whatnot now, I can kind of look back at how, how far I've came and just kind of get strength in that. Were you uh, were you expecting to get drafted when you did by the Winnipeg Jets, or did it come as a surprise? To, what do you remember about that uh, that uh, entire just being drafted and finding out? Okay, yeah, there's an NHL team that thinks I got a future. Um, so I was having a pretty good year, but I was 19, and usually people get drafted like in their 17 year. So I was two years. So it was the 99 birth year draft, and I'm a 97. So I not too many guys two years later get drafted, let third round or or in there. So I don't know. My agent was kind of telling me somewhere between the fourth and the sixth, like to be expecting, but that anything could happen. So, you know, be prepared to not get drafted at all because you never know what happens on these draft days. And so I, I knew I had, I, Winnipeg was one of the teams I talked to. I'd maybe talk to maybe half the teams in the league or so just doing interviews and whatnot. So I knew I was definitely on teams radars and I knew because so I played in a smaller junior A league where there wasn't a whole lot of draft picks, basically no NHL draft picks. And then when I went to college, I played in Hockey East, which is a good conference. I'm playing against, you know, BU, BC, Northeastern, UMass, like all these big schools with a lot of first round picks with a lot of like high draft picks. And I'd be playing against some of these guys thinking like, man, I'm just as good as these guys. Like I might be better than some of these guys who have been drafted, you know, pretty high. So after that, I kind of started believing like, yeah, I can, I can definitely do this. And, you know, that's when I got a chance to match my, myself up against some of those guys. And, and then I had a pretty good idea that, you know, I didn't know if it was going to happen, but I felt like it should, should have happened. Like I should have gotten drafted. We can't really talk about your path to the National Hockey League and uh, your growing up and your upbringing without talking about your parents. Um, uh, you know, in reading Marat's piece, um, that, you know, that talks about their path to Canada, um, yeah, you know, honestly, hearing those stories, especially with what's happening in some parts of the world right now, 
um, makes you know someone like me who's grown up here and you know Winnipeg, quiet Winnipeg. You know, you feel lucky for you know the the surroundings. Um, tell our listeners a little bit if you could about your uh, parents' path to uh, to Canada, what they went through to you know give you and your uh, siblings the life that you had here in the country, and how that. Um, I'm sure that's a big, big part of you and who you are and uh, what's made you the young man that you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So both my parents immigrated to Canada, um, but at different times. My mom came when she was younger, so she was about eight years old, uh, and she came from a village in Bosnia. So when her family moved, um, basically her whole family moved and basically their whole village moved. When they moved over to Canada, um, they didn't have anything over there. They didn't have electricity they didn't have running water they you know they it was a tough life it was a hard life for them over there just you know finding food and and uh, taking care of the animals and whatnot so um yeah it was a hard life for them over there um and when they moved here uh, my mom describes it as winning the lottery moving here because i mean she moved here and when she first moved here i'm pretty sure she lived in a house with um, extended family. There's probably three different families, uh, all living under the same house, but, um, yeah, she describes as winning the lottery and, and, um, was really fortunate to move to Canada. So, um, and then, uh, my dad moved from Montenegro when in the early nineties. So there was a bit of like civil unrest and whatnot in, uh, former Yugoslavia. Um, and Montenegro is a part of that. And my dad could kind of sense that. And uh, he ended up moving here when he was a late 20s, maybe early 30s. And uh, yeah, so he most of his family still lives over there, actually. He, he moved here by himself. Um, and, you know, he didn't come from, he came from humble beginnings as well, didn't come from too much. So um, yeah, he moved here, met my mom in Canada, in Hamilton. And, uh, yeah, they got married shortly after, um, cause my dad would have either had to move back cause his, uh, traveling visa was expiring or whatnot. So, um, I think they got married maybe four or five months after they met, um, and started a life here, ended up having three kids and yeah, did a great job raising them too. So I love them and, uh, yeah, proud of them. And, uh, they've had a, They've had a pretty unique life, and I know they're really grateful to be here as well. Well, it was really cool to see the family uh, take in your first game. And you mentioned your sister in New Zealand. Uh, they fired up to FaceTime and uh, gave her a front row seat as well, so everyone could at least see your debut in the bigs. Yeah, I, I saw that after. My mom probably has no idea how to work FaceTime. She was, like, <laughs> doing the FaceTime, showing uh, the screen like putting the screen towards the ice instead of just flipping the camera. So yeah, she, but uh, it's, it's the thought that counts. And I know, yeah, my family's really proud and supportive of me and, and, and that's much appreciated. Tell you what, Johnny, this has been just an awesome chat. People are absolutely loving it. They said they could listen to this for another hour. We won't put you through that, but um, really do want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Continued success to you and the Moose this weekend and down the stretch. And uh, can't wait to see more of these games in the regular season and especially, hopefully, a uh, long and exciting uh, Calder Cup run for you and uh, you and your teammates coming up next month. Yeah, I hope so as well. Thanks for having me, Hustler. 
Appreciate it. There it is. Johnny Kovacevic of the Manitoba Moose. Of course, made his NHL debut earlier this season. Uh, four games in the bigs and uh, having a career year right now. Sort of a breakout year for Johnny. Um, and, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, some guys are first round picks. Billy Hanel has been a guy we've talked a lot about. Um, that was a guy that did not look out of place at all when he got his NHL shot. And we'll be talking a lot about Johnny Kovacevic in the uh, months and years to come, I think, in and around Winnipeg when we're speaking about the Winnipeg Jets and not just the Manitoba Moose. Thanks so much to Johnny and big thanks to Dan Fink for uh, for popping on the program today. St- tomorrow, uh, we'll have a pair of tickets to give away for the game on Sunday afternoon, which is just about sold out right now. Um, Going to be a great, great week. It's, I know it's the Wasack game on a Saturday night with the Jets and Kings. And then the Follow Your Dreams game on Sunday afternoon for the Manitoba Moose, which should be a really, really fun, um, you know, couple days at the downtown rink. And of course, the Moose do play tomorrow night if you're looking for a great Friday night game to get out to as well. Uh, all right, going to get Remo in here again and a couple things to do before we finish up the uh, the show. But first things first, want to thank our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ, of course, four locations in Winnipeg. And they are so fired up about the incredible new run of six stack burgers if you haven't tried the new burgers at dq what are you waiting for pop down and see them at any of four uh, locations the dq in neverville dq northgate dq polar park and dq st anne's and all three winnipeg locations available right now on all the delivery apps uh, doordash skip the dishes uh, and uber eats and by the way speaking of the dq in neverville I know Nick's been very involved in the community since getting the store out there. He's involved with the Niverville Nighthawks, the new expansion team in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And if you're on Twitter, check out the MJHL's tweet. They uh, announced the new logo and wordmark for the team. It looks great. And um, congratulations. Looking forward to getting out there in the game in that growing community. Um, our friends over at Canadian Club continue to be great sponsors of ours. Um, the uh, we, Okay, here it is. We've got breaking news. The Canadian Club in Ginger Ale, the ready-to-drink, started landing in stores yesterday. Products are on the shelf today and displays go live tomorrow. If you don't see the Canadian Club in Ginger on a shelf at your local store, make sure to ask the staff for it. And for the month of April, if you buy Canadian Club in store, you get a free can of the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale cocktail take with you uh, but you should be able to grab six packs wherever you get the great taste of canadian club and be sure to join us tomorrow for another marble race we'll have another winnipeg sports talking canadian club hoodie to give away to one lucky winner um we'll get to the cool bet lines in a second but let's get michael remus back in here and remo you know i've been looking forward for a while to get johnny kovacevic on the show uh, i knew he was a really well-spoken young man and having a great great season uh, but holy smokes, was that a fun interview? Uh, like many people, we could have gone a much longer with such an interesting young man. Yeah, a lot of great comments uh, in the chat during that. And big thank you to Daniel and Johnny for being patient as we navigated some technical issues. But again, great, great conversation with him. And, you know, again, great story um, coming up. You know, what an older player getting drafted, uh, you know, playing in college and then Going to the Moose, and he's been there for a couple of years. Got his chance. I forgot that he played uh, played four games uh, with the Jets as well this season, and he definitely showed that um, you know he could stick around at the NHL level. But unfortunately, the Jets they got, got so many guys under contracts, and that's something we've talked about 
you know, so much the last couple of weeks. Okay, well, how are they going to make room for all these great players on the Moose uh, on the Jets going forward? And I think that's going to be fascinating. And the big again, defense will be the big story of the offseason as it was um, last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. So big thanks to Johnny for uh, coming out. And if you haven't been to a Moose game lately, folks, get out there and see them. I mean, this is a uh, a really fun team. It's a, as well-rounded a Moose team as I can remember in, um, you know, maybe forever. I mean, no real go-to offensive stars beyond everyone else. I mean, a really balanced depth scoring. Uh, but it's the blue line that I think will excite Jet fans the most. Johnny Kovacevic having just a phenomenal season. And as Michael Remus said, you know, when he did get his chance to play in the NHL, did not look out of place at all. Um, Declan Chisholm's nicked up right now, but Dylan Sandberg looked good on the weekend. Lean Gavanka, I thought, had a real good game playing with the full cage on Tuesday night. So uh, um, certainly we'll uh, you maybe get a WST outing for one of the playoff games coming up. But in the meantime, check out the Moose and uh, should be a great night or a great afternoon on Sunday in particular. It's one of the biggest crowds of the season. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. A busy night in the National Hockey League. And the Winnipeg Jets, no surprise, are a pretty big underdog. If you're smelling a win on back-to-back nights, you are going to get plus 200 on your money. The Leafs a big home favorite at minus 244. Other games in the league, uh, the Bruins minus 238. Home favorites against the New Jersey Devils. Carolina, a massive minus 400 favorite against the Carolina or against the Montreal Canadiens. Panthers... Wow, huge, huge favorites today. Minus 357 against the Blackhawks. Both those games, if you want to get on the puck line, are two and a half goal spreads. Don't see that very often. Islanders minus 200 against the Blue Jackets. The Minnesota Wild and Pittsburgh Penguins. That might be the best matchup uh, tonight. Uh, maybe outside of this Jets the Leafs game, which I know we're all looking forward to. Wild minus 123. Pittsburgh, maybe some good value on the road at plus 105. Kings and Flames go at it later on tonight. Kings on the second end of back-to-back. Calgary heavy minus 303 favorite. Avalanche minus 370 against the Sharks. And uh, the Ducks will all be pulling for tonight. Plus 140 at home taking on the Dallas Stars. And, uh, you know, we still do have some uh, some season bets up that'll be up until the games start tonight. Um, Avalanche still the favorite to be the league champ, the Stanley Cup champs, but it's the Florida Panthers on the other side that's the favorite in the East, which is interesting, plus 575. And look at that, Remus. From 25 to 1 to now plus 750, the Calgary Flames are the third lowest odds number on the board right now as we get closer to the playoffs, ahead of teams like the Lightning, the Leafs, and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. I saw a, cl- a quote that Daryl Sutter was calling them underdogs, even though they're first in uh, first in their th- in their uh, division there. So it's going to be, I don't. Know, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that works out there. But I like Calgary. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, their roster and what they've done. So we'll look for that going forward. I'll tell you what. The one thing, and I actually did just make a wager live while we were on the air. I wanted to see what had happened to the Norris odds. And it's wild, man. This is not caught up. Kale McCarr is still the heavy, heavy favorite at minus 333 to win the award. Yeah. With what Roman Yossi's done, and I mean, we kind of talked about him at 10 to 1, maybe as a good long shot. He's anything but a long shot right now. I would think that, frankly, he might be the favorite to win right now. Um, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about Yossi for the last couple of days, just on an absolute tear, 
what he's done for the Nashville Predators has been. Listen, I think he's going to get legitimate Hart Trophy conversation. So I think he wins the Norris. It makes no sense to me that he's 3-1 to one right now and you're laying such a big number to get on Kale McCarr at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, just from a value perspective, Roman Yossi, probably even with McCarr and to be plus 300. Yeah, that's definitely a bet uh, worth making. Just again, just from because you're getting value. No doubt about it. All right. Oh, there's some World Cup draw specials for tomorrow. Well, you know, there's a sorry, uh, Gregory just DM me. There's a World Cup draw simulator um, that's going around. So you can run that and you can see what, you know, the draft simulator, they have a draw simulator. You okay, you know Canada's what? Can you get be. it up? Can we finish the show by doing one? Because it's going to happen tomorrow. By the time we're on the air tomorrow, we'll know what the draw is. Can we do a very quick simulation while uh, while we finish this up? Sure. You can that? get that up, and I will tell you right now if you want to go to. Uh, uh, and I guess this is just betting on the draws. So um, it's six to one on all of the seven teams to be the last team picked from pot one or the first team picked from pot one. It's essentially like betting on a bingo card. Um, we've got, uh, oh, and you can bet on what group each team is going to be in. I'm just looking to see if there's anything with Canada, uh, in there. It doesn't really seem like it. Bottom line is tomorrow, by the time we're on the show and Ziff's going to come on with us in the uh, second hour of tomorrow's program to break down the way the groups look. And, uh, it won't be long before we're on cool bet and we're staring at odds for Canada to win the world cup, to advance to the elimination stage, to get out of the group, all those fun things. Again, if you haven't bet at CoolBet before, they are the most transparent sports book online. Use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Just make sure you use the promo code WST. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to be involved in mushing the Winnipeg Jets tonight, but I don't think that that two plus 200 is, uh, is too bad a number for the Jets tonight. Uh, certainly, I think Connor Hellebuck's going to be bringing his A game if last night is any indication of what he'll have this evening. One thing about tonight's NHL games, there's a lot of um, lopsided games, a lot of big favorites. And, you know, the Jets, when a player is close to a milestone against them, they usually achieve it. So I am strongly considering Austin Matthews in one of my DraftKings lineups tonight. We'll see if I... Minus 137 to score. Everyone else is like yeah. plus 148, yeah. plus 175, plus 185. Matthews, minus 137. Yeah, um, so th there, there you go. So they think it's going to happen. Um, before we go, we do have the, uh, what, the draft simulator? I can, like, hit simulate. Not Here we go. Simulator. Yeah, simulate, simulate the, this World Cup group. The, Let's the, see what we get. World Cup group simulator. I click simulate. I guess it just loads. So they put out all the pots here. And so they put Canada in a group with, oh, here we are, Korea, Uruguay, and Portugal. Portugal I don't still, mind that group. Portugal's still good. Yeah, yeah, por yeah Portugal, Here, you can see. Pot one yeah. are the top seven teams and okay. Qatar. Right. So, so what you would love to do is be in group A with Qatar. You can see it's Qatar, Denmark, Serbia, oh, okay. Ecuador. Sure. Um, but I think overall... Um, you know, we I think Canada would take that going up against Korea, Uruguay, and Portugal with Portugal the heavy yeah. favorite in that in that in that group. Okay, so I did it again, and here's Canada's in Group B with Brazil, Netherlands, Iran. That's a that sounds like a hard group. If you're well, it is a Brazil. hard group, but again, you can make it out being in third. Okay, 
um, essentially there's 16 teams. So it's the top two in each and then the next four. So I think if they put a thumping on Iran, they would be able to make it out even if they just won the one game. Um, but as I said, this is fun, mm-hmm. folks. If you want to go and try that, you can do, uh, you know, hammer the uh, the group stage right. draw simulator before tomorrow, and uh, we will break it down when we have the real results on tomorrow's so show. So I did it again, and they just got Portugal and Korea and Denmark. So they keep matching up with Portugal. I've done it three times, two of them there with Portugal and Korea. Interesting. Okay, do it one more time. One more. I'm interested for our final our final simulation. They're with Whoa. Argentina, Germany, Morocco. That sounds like a hard group, huh? Yeah, it does. It does. I guess the key, the key is frankly, I think, is more out of pot three. I mean, who are you kind of avoiding? It does look like uh, you know the Japanese have, I think, a pretty strong team. I'm not sure about Serbia or Poland. Actually, won their way in. But I think you would want to be playing against me, you know, maybe a Korea or a Tunisia um, in that group. Bottom line is, you're gonna, it's the World Cup. It's the best countries in the world. Everyone's earned their way there, with the exception of the host nation. Um, but uh, if we're lucky, we'll be talking about Canada getting into a group with the host Qataris. Is that what they'd be called? Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm seeing Senegal on pot three, and I don't want Canada to be subjected to laser pointers being shot at them <laughs> in games against Senegal. So I hope they don't. They're not in a group with them. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Hey, Remo, throw the link in the chat if you can. A bunch of oh, people are, uh, are wondering sure. about that. You can do that. Um, folks, hey, a big thanks to uh, all of you for hanging out with us. Uh, really appreciated Johnny Kovacevic's time. That was awesome. And, of course, Dave Poulin and Brandon Rewicki. If you joined us late, you can uh, back up to the start of the show on YouTube or on the pod and uh, check out those conversations before we drop the puck tonight on tomorrow's show uh weebs world will join us we'll have the latest with ken and uh as we simulate this world cup draw nick ziff will be back on the show and we will go through all eight groups with a focus on canada and their opportunity when they're back in the uh, world cup for the first time since 1986 uh, i believe that goes from 11 to 1 tomorrow so essentially we'll finish up the world cup draw flip it on talk jets talk canada and talk more to get you ready for a big big weekend in sports right here in winnipeg and around the country um thanks so much to f apparel for joining for uh, their sponsorship of winnipeg sports talk vita health culligan water not auto corp royal sports manitoba battery our friends at princess auto and cool bet canada of course the nick and nikki tq group canadian club Boston Pizza and Little Brown Jug. Very excited for tomorrow. It is April Fool's Day, but it won't be a joke on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Going to be great to have Breezy Ben back and a brand new sponsor. We're really excited to have on board, which we'll tell you about tomorrow. But in the meantime, folks, have a great night tonight. Enjoy Jets Leafs, and we will break it down tomorrow for you at 1 o'clock on a Friday show, and make sure you join us later on because the marbles will drop heading into the weekend. Um, Thanks to the guests. Thanks to everyone that joined us. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Enjoy the game tonight. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.